Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 26th of April, year of our Lord, 2020. And that was my fuck-up from a couple of podcasts ago. Somehow, when I tape these things, the pictures come out right on the video, but when you play it, it's totally the wrong thing because there's ads or whatever. So that was the hot mic with the White House press corps talking about being vaccinated and a bunch of other crazy shit. Good show today. It's going to be kind of long. Uh, got some good input from Matt in Oregon, so thank you up front, Matt in Oregon. We're going to do a, a review on The Last Kingdom, which is really, really good. Um, we had watched season one and then stopped, and then we binged the shit out of it. So we have one episode left for today's drop of season four, and I actually got to admit, it's a little more fast-paced Vikings than Vikings, so I really like it. Uh, we're also going to do some duck love today because the draft was yesterday, and my boy, uh, Jake Hansen, got picked up by the Packers. That is a great correlation of fandom, my Packer fandom to that fandom. So, um, want to start with a soundbite before we get into the ugly, because it's the usual shit. Uh, Trump's to blame for everything. Now they're saying Trump said to inject, ingest Clorox, uh, Chris Cuomo's taking Clorox baths, so that'll be our big gotcha today. And uh, news and social media nuggets. But this is the guy from Red Dawn, and uh, he's the director, and I just love this soundbite. Well, ain't that some shit. The soundbite I had wasn't him actually talking about what he was saying, that Hollywood's totally not in touch with America anymore. Um, he, of course, did Red Dawn and a bunch of good movies, and he's the type of guy that literally was a man-man, which we just don't have anymore. So the soundbite does not correlate with the article. And for that, I apologize because, once again, uh, it's an imperfect world. So let's get into our Super 8. I usually hate put the hate towards the end, but this is just, this is this read chick from CBS again. Listen to what she says. Nora, as the Trump administration continues to send out mixed messages, new CBS News polling shows more Americans are looking to their state governors for guidance on what to do, as top White House officials can't even agree on basic facts. 
Empty body bags dumped outside the Trump Hotel this evening, a morbid protest of the president's response to the coronavirus. You know, if a bunch of goddamn fucking Republicans or conservatives put some body bags out, do you think that the CBS Evening News would even reference it? Probably not, but it's the cool thing to do to hate um, Trump. And, and, you know, I went on a screed the other day about uh, we've never seen this with any president, including Bush, who they fucking hated. It's almost like it's a personal thing for them. They, they not only want Trump to fail, they want America to fail. They want you to die. Here's Ezra Klein again. This answers one of the biggest questions I've had in this crisis. Why isn't Florida more of a mess given how bad its political leadership has been? The answer seems to be that people ignored their governor. Replies. Laugh my ass off. This reads like a parody of why the news media can, will never admit they were wrong, especially on this. Predict doom, search for doom, hope for doom, cherry pick for doom. When none of that works, make up some shit about why doom hasn't happened. Another reply. Think people in the wrong word here. As outlined in the article, no. Schools of Miami-Dade restaurants, everybody did the right thing. National media kept focusing on statewide order when most of the state was already closed. One of the most remarkable things about the pandemic is seeing how completely ignorant many progressives are on federalism and individual responsibility and how they wish they'd all die. They are so wrapped up in it. Ellen Barkin. Trump is responsible for more deaths than Kennedy, Johnson, and Nixon. He'll go down in history as a Stalin of incompetence and greed. She said that even though there was fucking Vietnam was 40,934 KIA. 58,000 have died in Vietnam and Korea. And Korea was 50 some odd thousand. But you know, that's what they say. Richard Marks, dear sane people, whenever some Trump-worshipping maggot mentions Joe Biden being creepy, just send him this photo. They found a family photo with his daughter sitting on his lap, Trump's. And so now they're saying he's a pedophile. A person's reply to it. Sane people would think sending a picture of a father with his young daughter insinuating an inappropriate relation is disgusting. Note. When he writes gross and horrible things about Trump and or his supporters, seems to be the only time he gets any attention or detraction. Ignore his ass. Another, Rick Stick. Referring to people as maggots because of a political difference is pretty rock bottom. A lot like your career. I mean, this this whole thing is summed up by some random lady. And I'll just let her say it. This is why... Most people who aren't partisans are looking at all of this like, how do you blame one person when the whole thing is so new, it's just all fucked up? Yeah, I really don't understand why everybody isn't following the same rules right now. They're very clear. So let's take a minute and let's go over them again. First, you must not leave the house for any reason. Unless, of course, you have a reason, and then you may leave the house. All stores are closed, except those that are open. And all stores must close unless, of course, they need to stay open. This virus is deadly, but don't be afraid of it. 
It can only kill people who are vulnerable and also those who are not vulnerable. We should stay locked down until the virus stops infecting people. And it will only stop infecting people if enough of us get infected that we build immunity. So it is very important that we get infected and also do not get infected. You should not go to the doctor's office or the hospital unless you have to go there. Unless, of course, you are too sick to go there. This virus has no effect on children except for those children in which it affects. The virus remains active on different surfaces for two hours or four hours or six hours, but in most cases it's days and not hours and it needs a damp environment or a cold environment that is warm and dry in the air unless the air is plastic. Schools are closed, so you need to homeschool your children unless you can send them to school because you are not home. If you are at home, you can school your children using various portals and online classrooms unless you have poor internet, more than one child, only one computer, or you are working from home. Baking cakes can be considered math, science, or art. If you are home educating, you can include household chores within their education curriculum. And if you are home educating, you may start drinking at approximately 10 a.m. every day. If you are not home educating children, you may also start drinking at approximately 10 a.m. Masks are useless at protecting you against the virus but you still need to wear one because it can save lives. And in some cases it may even be mandatory, but also maybe not. You must not go to work, but you can get another job at which point you may go to work. Stay home. I don't know how many more celebrities we need to have tell you how important it is to go outside and take care of your mental health. There is no shortage of groceries in the supermarket. There are simply many things missing. You don't need to go buy a bunch of toilet paper, but you should buy some in case you need it. If you are sick, you may go out once you are better, but those in your household, they cannot go out once you are better, unless of course they need to go out. Animals are not affected by the virus, except for that cat that tested positive in Belgium in February, plus a couple tigers. The number of corona-related deaths will be announced daily, but we don't know how many people are infected because we were only testing those who are almost dead to determine if that's what they will die of. The people who die of corona who are not counted won't or will be counted, but maybe not. To help protect yourself during these times, you should be eating well and exercising, but exercising only eating what you have at home to avoid going to the stores unless you need toilet paper or a fence panel. It's important to get fresh air, but don't go to parks, but do go walk in other places. Just don't sit down unless you are old or pregnant. But if you do sit down, don't sit for too long unless you are old and you are pregnant, in which case you need to sit down. But if you do sit down, don't eat unless you've had a long walk, which you are allowed to do if you are old or pregnant, except for times in which you aren't. Don't visit old people but you have a moral obligation to take care of old people and bring them food and medicine. And finally, no businesses will go down due to coronavirus, except those businesses that go down due to COVID-19. I hope this cleared up any questions about what we should and should not be doing during this time. Please educate your friends and family with this information so we can remove any and all confusion surrounding this time. Thank you. I mean, for most of us, we look back at the fact that the WHO said it wasn't communicable between people. Everybody has been covering up for China. We were told this. We were told that. We were told no mask. No, now wear a mask. These are the scientists. Not Trump. Not elected officials. They were scientists putting out information. The fucking CDC. The WHO. And then at some point within this, they decided we're going to make money off it. And we're going to bash Trump. So this was my, this is America. 
This was brought to you by Matt in Oregon. I'm going to play it now because it goes really well before we get in all the lies and craziness that's going on. This is why a majority of people are going, what the fuck? For example, or the federal government or anybody really was saying a month and a half ago. And so as we learn more, you know, the evolution of how we think about how to get back to work changes. But you're raising an excellent point. We need more than just a temperature check at the door. Right now, that's the only thing that we really have, doing a wellness check for workers that walk in and doing a temperature check, which is, you know, takes a moment to do. I have a question from a colleague. Uh, Michelle Gallardo from ABC7 wants to know, earlier this week, the state reported the death of a teenager in Cook County. Are you familiar with this case? If so, is this the state's first teenage death? And can you tell us if the teenager in question had underlying conditions? I don't have that information at my uh, disposal at this time. I know um, we have had people... Uh, of all age groups die. I just want to be clear in terms of the definition of people dying of COVID. So the case definition is is very simplistic. It means at the time of death, um, it was a COVID-positive diagnosis. So that means that if you were in hospice and had already been given, you know, a few weeks to live, and then you also were found to have COVID, that would be counted as a COVID death. It means that if, um, technically, if even if you died of a clear alternate cause, but you had COVID at the same time, it's still listed as a COVID death. So um, everyone who's listed as a COVID death doesn't mean that that was the cause of the death, but they had COVID at the time of death. I hope that's helpful. Can I ask a follow-up question? How unusual is it to, you're looking at the numbers, to have a teenager die from this? Well, I will say that we know uh, for the pediatric literature that pediatric deaths um, from COVID are low. Um, I know that as we get older, so obviously a two-year-old and a 17-year-old are all considered pediatric patients, but we know that the 17-year-old has the physiology much closer to an adult than, say, an infant or a baby. And so as I know that, you know, at former hospitals that I've worked with and pediatricians that I've talked to, um, they have seen severe illness in older uh, in older pediatric patients as they look more like adults than, than, than babies. So how serious is this? Have we done this with other pandemics? Because now we say there's 960,896 deaths or uh, cases, 54,265 deaths. But of those deaths, how many were really COVID? Do we know? Does anybody know? Because we're just making numbers now. So of the 21,908, basically almost half, between New Jersey and New York, it's 27,000 deaths. Were they really COVID? And now is New York counting asymptomatics? People that aren't really infected? Because they have 288,313. Tennessee has 9,000. Now our death count went from 130 to 178 because they are also counting anything. Anything. It doesn't have to be COVID. They could have had COVID. They, I mean, what the fuck? How do you take this, how do you take this shit serious? How? 
How can you sit there and say, well, I can't go out in public, I can't have a job, I can't pay my mortgage, I can't do anything, when the numbers, once again, the numbers done by the scientists are all horseshit. They're not real. They're made up. Technically, you're making this shit up. But what we're going to hear, Rage Against Trump is our soundbite, it's long, is the fact that all of this has nothing to do with the virus. New poll shows a hidden danger for Trump. Double haters. People who hate Biden and Trump are all going to vote for Biden. The polls are starting again. It's a, a wipeout. He's going to lose by 30 points. There's no way he can win. Biden's winning. He's the most qualified ever. Last night, Biden had a fucking rally on YouTube. 4,833 people watched it. That's it. Trump could take a dump on TV and more than 4,833 of his maggots, as we're calling them, would show up. So is this real? Did we need to shut down the world? I mean, there's still states with their 2,000 cases. And how many people are really dying of the virus? When you're just making the numbers up, no wonder why people are protesting. But our media, it's Trump, Republicans, Nazis. They want you to die. When really it's just projecting, projection. They're still butthurt in New York City that you people in the South, you Christians, you gun owners, you pro-life people, you haven't all died. George Packer. George is out with a new piece entitled, We Are Living in a Failed State. The coronavirus didn't break America. It revealed what was already broken. George writes this, quote, When the virus came here, it found a country with serious underlying conditions, and it exploited them ruthlessly. Chronic ills, a corrupt political class, a sclerotic bureaucracy, a heartless economy, a divided and distracted public had gone untreated for years. I can never forget those weeks in March, and they really are continuing now in April, when we looked to our national government for guidance, for instructions, for basic information, and it wasn't there. Our national government was in chaos and was dissembling and deceiving us and was unable to provide either information or help when we desperately needed it. And now with leadership in Washington that almost seems at times to be collaborating with the virus, I compared Trump, who has called himself a wartime president, to the French General Marshal Pétain, who uh, was the, in charge when the Nazis invaded and who essentially gave up and allowed them to occupy the country and created his own Vichy Republic. So it's a harsh comparison, but at times Trump seems to be collaborating with the virus and doing its work for it. And from the beginning, the president has wanted to wish it away. He's wanted to tell us that we have it totally under control as he said in January, that within a couple of days, the case count is going to be down to close to zero, as he claimed in February. He tried happy talk and spin. He pretended it was not happening. And when none of that worked and the government failed to protect us with inadequate testing, he turned his attention to finding some magic pill. 
some bolt from the blue cure that can make everything go away, that would make the economy and the stock market come back, that would get Donald Trump reelected. And so he seized on some genuinely promising, though very limited, initial signs about this malaria drug. And day and night, he, the folks on Trump TV, flogged it and pushed it. A drug called chloroquine. And some people would add to it hydroxy, hydroxychloroquine. The nice part is it's been around for a long time. So we know that if it, if, if things don't go as uh, planned, it's not going to kill anybody. If I had the choice, I would use it for me, and I'm only speaking for me. In a lot of ways, hydroxychloroquine is the ideal medicine. At this point, it's come across as pretty much of a game changer. I say it. What do you have to lose? I'll say it again. What do you have to lose? Take it. I really think they should take it. Watching people in the media talk down a potentially life-saving medicine because a politician they don't like has endorsed it is probably the most shameful thing I, as someone who's done this for 29 years, have ever seen. And just recently, uh, uh, a friend of mine told me he got better because of the use of that, that drug. What do you have to lose? They've been taking it for 40 years for malaria. The word is out. You know, the, the people get it. These people don't get it. The media. But the people get it. We now know this was not just idle speculation. It wasn't just hype. Behind the scenes, the Trump administration was trying to force the drug on Americans in contravention of scientific advice. Just days ago, they ousted the doctor leading the agency involved in developing a vaccine in the midst of a pandemic, the worst in 100 years, Dr. Rick Bright, who says that part of the reason that he was ousted, that he was removed from his post in the midst of this pandemic, is because he, quote, resisted efforts to provide an unproven drug, hydroxychloroquine, on demand to the American public, on demand. Well, now we have the emails obtained by Vanity Fair showing the Trump administration, quote, really wanted to flood New York and New Jersey with a drug, a drug that had not been sufficiently tested for treatment of coronavirus. In fact, today, the FDA is cautioning against using that drug outside of the hospital setting, outside of a clinical trial, due to the risk of heart rhythm problems. And researchers have cut short a study of the drug, citing a high risk of death in the people who are taking it. Nearly two dozen died after taking doses daily. Now, the evidence here is mixed, but that's why it needs to be studied. And now, Trump TV's Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, you saw them all there on tape, are trying to moonwalk away from the notion they were pushing this drug in the first place. But here's the thing. The president has not given up on the idea of some magical solution because he is incapable of thinking about this as a long-term battle that requires strategy and care and competence and expertise. Nope. He still wants the magic bullet to save him and his re-election. So here he is yesterday just brainstorming on how to cure the coronavirus. And as you watch this, please keep your eyes on Dr. Deborah Burks, who had been up until now a long-respected public health official who decided to mortgage her entire reputation on behalf of this man. Supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said... That has him in check, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. Right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by 
injection inside or, or almost a cleaning, because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So it'd be interesting to check that. It's that deep breath she takes there when he says injection. An injection inside, almost a cleaning. Test that too. Can you guys run that down for me? Yes, yes, as everyone has noted in the last 24 hours, that's insane. It sounds insane. But he's the president. That's the guy running the country. People listen. The Maryland Emergency Management Agency said it received several calls regarding questions about disinfectant use in COVID-19. More than 100, in fact. And companies have had to warn people not to drink or inject bleach and other disinfectants. Lysol's parent company put out a statement, quote, Due to recent speculation and social media activity, we must be clear that under no circumstance should our disinfectant products be administered into the human body through injection, ingestion, or any other route. Clorox also put out a statement warning people not to put its products into their bodies. And there were also warnings from the EPA and the CDC and the Surgeon General who implored people to please always talk to your health provider first before administering any treatment medication to yourself or loved one. I should tell you uh, that just today Trump lied and said his initial comment was sarcastic, even though that's obviously not true because we all just saw the video there. And then he went ahead after lying and saying it was sarcastic and basically, like, once again said what he said yesterday. Like, maybe we check it out. I'm not a doctor. But, you know, run it down. This is all happening on a day when um, the death toll from this virus has reached 51,000. More than 51,000 Americans have died from it. He said uh, the cases were going out to zero in February. We're heading towards a million cases. We're on our way to that. 26 million people have lost their jobs. And day after day after day, we're seeing there's no, there's no real plan. There's no plan or solutions coming from the White House. Instead, there is, every night, carried on this network and others, a two-hour pathological narcissistic propaganda show in which the president feels some fleeting sense of satisfaction because people are watching him. And then he goes back to watching more TV. What you just heard is the president of the United States just lying right there. It's fascinating because he's lying about something that we all witnessed. Just to be clear, the president yesterday made a dangerous and idiotic comment, idea raising a ludicrous idea of somehow injecting disinfectant, which to anybody who is out there is obviously not something any human being should do. And now he's in like Soviet fashion, trying to rewrite what we all know and saw as though we are all morons. For some reason, he felt the need to muse about a dangerous and ludicrous and just idiotic idea that any child knows not to go into the, you know, cabinet under the uh, sink and, and take disinfectant and use it anywhere internally. Um, and now to be lying about it, that it was some sort of a sarcastic comment, because clearly he has watched it on the television, which is what he does, and realizes it was idiotic and ludicrous and dangerous. And now he's just embarrassed. So he's lying. Glory to me, it's just sad to see the president of the United States, any president of the United States, but that the president of the United States live on television, well, it was it was tape turned, so it was just moments ago, at a signing, just blatantly making up something, I think on the fly, the president, to watch him in real time, just lie like a five-year-old child who's been caught doing something and just makes up 
when cornered a ridiculous lie that everybody knows it's just a lie. I mean, I, it's just sad. And former Congressman David Jolly. David, I'm coming to you. I got no words. Look, I think in some ways it's good that Donald Trump's confined to his room. I mean, most people who <laughs> would suggest you should inject Lysol into your veins would be confined either to their home or to another institution. Look, Donald Trump's message is dangerous for the American people. And I understand this plays poorly with his psychology that apparently he is he's kept uh, up in his room. But so are the American people. And you know what? The American people aren't complaining. The American people are asking for the advice of public health officials. Donald Trump notwithstanding that he said this was 15 people and was going to go to zero, and then he, the hydroxychloroquine uh, recommendation and now the Lysol recommendation, the reality is the message from Donald Trump is dangerous. It conflicts with that of our public health officials, and the less we hear from the president, the safer we are. And I would, I would also say this, Nicole, in terms of his own behavior in this moment, this is a man since the outbreak of COVID-19 has spoken and tweeted more about his own approval ratings than he has about the 50,000 Americans who died under his watch. So if we need an assessment of the president's character as he has locked himself in his room watching TV so he can make a self-assessment of his own ratings, perhaps we just go forward ignoring the, the guy. And as you spoke with Dr. Patel, listen only to the doctors as we begin to make decisions about how we return to normal in our daily lives as a family. So let me follow up with you, David. I mean, I think there's... There's all of this. There's all that he does to um, sort of threaten the, the things that we do to keep ourselves safe. And if there's anyone out there thinking about injecting bleach, don't do it. Um, we're only covering it because Trump suggested people do. But the, the other side of the ledger seems to be all the things he could do to help people that he doesn't do. If he wore a mask for one briefing and did an elbow bump, those behaviors would be mimicked not just by his base, but, I mean, there's also the whole bucket of missed opportunities to use the bully pulpit for good. What do you make of that? And you use the term bully pulpit. It's the history of the bully pulpit. The president, through his own character, leads the nation. And every four years or eight years, we see a president, his character shines through in the toughest moments, not the easiest moments. And the missed opportunity here is significant, not just for the president, I suppose, his own reelection and for the public health of the American people, but it's reflective of the fact, Nicole, of how broken our American politics are in this moment. And and in our broken politics, we ex we have accepted a broken government. The American presidency has been broken by this man. The responsibilities that we used to expect of the office are no longer upheld. But the brokenness transcends even the White House. And, and this is not a partisan comment. Our Congress is broken as well, an institution, regardless of who is in party. This is It's not a partisan comment I'm making. Our institutions of democracy have failed us in this moment, and at least on Capitol Hill, where they failed to to prepare us for this moment. They reacted swiftly and responsibly. Nancy Pelosi has done her best to try to give the right public health message to make sure the resources are there for the public health community, for states and municipalities. Donald Trump has decided to ignore even the responsibility in this, the gravest moment of all. When all of this is done, look, we will have a November election, hopefully, and we can decide who stays and who goes. But we have to reflect as an American people, do we accept the level of government we currently have? Because I think we've had a whole of government failure and we need to re-examine the democracy 
that, that we have put in place to protect us in moments like this. And when you have somebody like Donald Trump at the top of the ship, he, he is so intellectually vacuous, he doesn't even realize that he has the opportunity to lead us to a stronger democracy in this moment, but he's failed us once again. I cannot wrap my arms around the fact that you have networks that screwed up months ago saying this was going to be a hoax. And then they screwed up, like pushing false drugs. And now they're screwing up, saying this might magically go away. We only have 15 people, it's down to zero. Like, Willie, when do these people learn? More people dead from COVID-19 than died in the entire Vietnam tragedy. Because it came when it was flu season. That's what everybody's been warning about for months. I had a guy that doesn't even know about medicine warning me about this two months ago. I had Zeke Emanuel saying, hey, it's going to be worse in the fall, Joe. He said that back like in February. This is not breaking news. How could the president not learn from his mistakes and still ignore his doctors when Every medical person will tell you the pandemic could be the worst, the worst during flu season. Why am I getting so riled up? Because the president wasn't prepared before. I've got children. I want to go to school in the fall. I got Mika's uh, Mika's mother. I want her to be able to resume a normal life in the fall. I want the White House to prepare for the fall. This is another tragedy. This is another disaster. Just like the news work that never learns. They never learn. 50,000 Americans dead. I know it's early in the morning. I'm sorry. All right, Joe, now while I go to break, do you need to go listen to the Stones or are you okay? Doug Brinkley, we've elected, what, 11 generals over the years to be our president. We've we've had some characters with some pretty hard bark on them. And while empathy is something in your heart wiring or not, you're born with it or you don't have it. We've had some folks fake it pretty good. Talk about the lack of empathy at these public briefings. Well, that's been, I think, the worst part of them. I've yet to see Donald Trump really open up his heart to people that are dying. I mean, as you said at the top of the broadcast, Brian, here we're approaching Vietnam War numbers of American dead. Um, you know, there are 58,000 died in Vietnam. Pretty soon it could be Korean War and Vietnam combined. And this president doesn't seem to have an open heart. He hasn't really gone somewhere to try to talk to the doctors and, and nurses in any way. I mean, ex-president Bill Clinton sent pizzas to a hospital in Westchester. There just hasn't been a human touch to this president. He keeps feeling angry that that his stock market went down and he's trying to figure out how this will work for him in 2020. But being empathetic is important for presidents. We saw with Bill Clinton in the Oklahoma City moment or George W. Bush with the at this point for his supporters, they do know who to listen to between Fauci and Trump. They listen to him. Yeah, uh, yet yeah, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. But I do think you you use the term uh, cultish following. It, it is 
It is truly like a cult, and it reminds me of Jim Jones and the Kool-Aid and all that horrible stuff that we saw, you know, 30 years ago with people just following, quote, the leader, no matter what the leader says and no matter what the leader uh, intends to do or where to take them. And uh, Donald Cult, uh, Donald Cult, uh, Freudian slip, uh, Donald Trump has a cult, and unfortunately, I, I think that the, the people that are in his cult that are immovable from uh, following him are going to be in significant harm if they follow this advice, not to mention the hydroxychloroquine, which is actually... I mean, once again, folks, it's just hate. It is just hate for people who don't think like you because their lives have been impeded. Drew Holden sums up the media's approach to the protest. According to the media, only left-wing protests could be grassroots, apparently. Thread below on co coverage grouped by outlet for a recent anti-lockdown protest versus a far more coordinated anti-gun protest of March for Our Lives. Uh, the anti-quarantine protest seems spontaneous, but behind their scenes, a powerful network is helping. WAPO. Lin-Manuel Mirando has been plot just finished performing at the March for Our Lives. WAPO. Conservative activist family behind grassroots anti-quarantine Facebook events and the, the anti, uh, or the grassroots in quotes. Desmond Tutu presented at the Children Play Palace for March for Our Lives. The quiet hand of conservative groups of the anti-lockdown. This is CNN. The March for Our Lives demonstration ultimately represent twin triumphs of organic, useful grassroots. Uh, Yahoo. Who is behind the social coronavirus social distancing process? Maine girl motivates adults to join March for Our Lives. And it goes on. Intelligencer, salon, astroturf, gun rights activists, and prominent GOP donors push protest of coronavirus. America's oldest gun manufacturer files for bankruptcy after March for Our Lives. Politico, Trump allies have their fingerprints on lockdown protest. Protesters take to the street. Can they take on Congress for March for Our Lives? I literally went off on Yahoo going, Are you fucking stoned? Do you really think we're buying that shit? Soros funded it. PPFA funded it. Fucking every town. You guys even said who was funding it, and you said they were righteous groups. They didn't make the SPLC hate groups. That's for goddamn sure. So there's, they're all over the protesters. I'm going to play the protesters, and here's Whitmer again. This motherfucking chick just needs to go the fuck away. Well, look, it's interesting because um, even, as I said, you know, it, it's affecting some Republican governors. Larry Hogan of Maryland, he's been a target of these small protests. He says, quote, it is not helpful for President Trump to encourage demonstrations against his own policy. But how do you assess the word liberate? I mean, that is a pretty dramatic word to use. It just is. Liberate your state conjures up all sorts of um, images, frankly. I don't even want to go there. Well, and in one of those tweets, he used the word liberate and then quickly followed up with a suggestion that the liberation should be connected to the protection of Second Amendment rights, which, of course, is an invitation for citizens to engage in uh, armed rebellion against uh, their government. Uh, listen, the, the president is treading on very dangerous ground. He is encouraging, uh, in some cases, the armed revolt of citizens against the government. And as you mentioned, 
the president is encouraging people to revolt against the very policies that his administration is recommending. With regard to any of the, the blatantly political conversations about taking executive power away from my office, I'm just going to reiterate for I don't know how many, the upteenth time, I'm not going to sign any bill that takes authority away from me or from any future governor. The powers of the executive office are incredibly important, especially in times of crisis where lives are on the line. And um, I don't know that I've got much more to say on that. Thanks. But the House and Senate are working on a bill to scale it back because they have people losing their fucking shit in Michigan because she went overboard. She overreached. She's a fucking fascist. It's so amazing that already there's a challenger. She's getting TV time. In Michigan, she believes she was suffering from coronavirus and steadily getting worse until she received hydroxychloroquine from her physician. Then she recovered. Witsik came on this show to explain what happened, and as she explained it, she gave some credit to a president she didn't vote for. Dr. Arsawala did save my life, and I do credit, you know, the president to doing so um, and putting this out there because it wasn't accessible to me if it was for that fact. Yes. Um, I, had, I had very little time to be able to get to this and be able to make choice because my breathing did become very labored. So you just saw a woman who, at bare minimum, went through a harrowing experience and escaped with her life. We should celebrate, but not everybody is. A Detroit branch of the Democratic Party says it plans to censure Witsit and expel her from the Democratic Party for daring to meet with the president after she got well. They didn't congratulate her for surviving. They punished her for violating party orthodoxy. Representative Witsit joins us tonight, again, along with her physician, Mohammed Arswala. Welcome to you both, Representative. Doctor, Representative, to you first, it's hard to believe yes. this is true. Why would the Democratic Party expel you? Well, thank you for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Well, of course. Why they thank would expel me is, well, why they would expel me is beyond words for me. Um, this is something that I did not expect. I started out with a simple thank you to the man that is the president of the United States. It's a thank you. I didn't know that thank you had a political line. I didn't, be I didn't know thank you belonged to one political party over another and that if you were in one party, you could not say thank you to another person. I had no idea. Do you think the fact that you credited not simply the president, but this medicine, hydroxychloroquine, offended them more? Oh, I think it all correlated all together. Um, I think it was just me as a state representative that I was out of line, according to possibly our governor, taking myself and going to the White House to speak with the president of the United States. I think it was a kind of how dare you, because the the um, con the person who is in charge of the 13th congressional district actually works for our governor. I, uh, we we followed your governor fairly closely recently, and I'm and I just want to <laughs> apologize. So let me just ask: Did did the governor call you and say, "I'm so glad you didn't die. Welcome back to the living. Congratulations." <laughs> actually, it was uh, not as pleasant as that, and the text messages that we have had since then have not been as pleasant as well. 
Um, I'm not going to stand by and be quiet, nor will I be silenced by anyone when it comes to the people in my community. I don't care who it is. You know, if you're not doing right by us, if you're not doing right by black people within our community, I'm going to stand up, and I don't care who it is. I'm going to stand up against you. I'm going to speak out. And right now I'm speaking for the people who can't speak for themselves. That is my job. That is my responsibility. That is my duty. That's what I'm sworn to do. And I don't care who it is. I will go up against her any day. So the fact that well, she cannot Gretchen work Whitmer with the President of the United tonight. States. Well, I hope she is, too, because, you know, the fact that she cannot work with the President of the United States, you know, Donald Trump, want, the president wants to work with us. He wants to give us the things that we need. And I've had the conversations with him. So I know firsthand. I've had the conversations with um, the Vice President Pence as well. So I know firsthand. Yeah. I've had the experience. So I know. Yeah. I know the shock and awe on their face when they heard that we were not getting the things that we needed and deserved in the city of Detroit. So only thing I can say uh, it's, is... It's a, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. I just throw I'm my sorry? hand... Only thing I can do is just throw my hands up. You know, the fact that this would come down from the 13th Congressional yeah. District, Jonathan Kenlock, you know, who runs the 13th Congressional, would actually do this to me is unbelievable. You know, for someone as myself it's, who is simply trying to stand up for the voiceless, it's unbelievable. But I would expect it because, it is, it like is I said, unbelievable. He works for the it, governor. It is he unbelievable. Well, I just want to get your physician in here really quickly. Dr. Do you still credit hydroxychloroquine for helping to save your patient, Representative Whitson? Uh, yes, Tucker, it's good to be on your show again. Um, you know, absolutely. Since uh, uh, I've treated Karen, I've also treated uh, a few other patients. As I said again, there are cardiac toxicity associated with that. But right now, if you look at it, the sciences behind this medicine, because right now if we're in an inpatient setting, as long as you can monitor the heart, the people are using it. The outpatient use, even the FDA has recommended that you can use it only based on the physician and patient interaction. That means in my case, whenever I've used it, I've used it on 16 other patients, and it has worked because the we don't have any real medicine to treat the COVID virus infection. Right, right. now, there is a huge study going on in Michigan even on healthy individuals, they are trying to do a study to see if if you take hydroxychloroquine and can it prevent this disease. So let's not fight politics aside. I think the most important thing is we have exactly. to bring science into our life. We have to bring science. We have to do everything in our toolbox to help each other out. I think the most important thing that we have to do is we have to understand that this virus is new. It's taking lives. It's devastated our economy, and we have to do something to come together yeah. to do the best care possible, Tucker. This is absolutely very important. Doctor, thank absolutely. you. Representative, thank you. You should know that on MSNBC right now, they're effectively scolding you for using this drug. Well, we oh, have a bit of good uh, news tonight. I'm sorry to cut you off there, Doctor. It turns out the coronavirus is not an STD. Most of my life, the media has talked about the two political parties, and Democrat was the big tent party. And Republicans had a uh, F, uh, a code of conduct. You had to be a certain thing. It was a litmus test. That's the word I'm trying to say. Now, if you're pro-life, you can't be a Democrat. 
If you say anything against the establishment that hydrochlorine or chloroquine is basically like taking arsenic, this is the treatment you get. They went after this lady. That's the left. There is no tent. It's a fucking teepee. And unless you're gay, transgender, a person of color, about aborting babies until college, and you hate Trump, so you fight everything he does, you're not part of the Democratic Party anymore. There was a rather large protest against the state coronavirus restriction in Madison. Molly Beck, crowd of today's protests, extends on the either side of the column. Police estimate the crowd at 15,000. Jason Joyce, the Wisconsin Capitol Police, estimated approximately 1,500 individuals attending the reopened Wisconsin rally on Friday noon. There was no arrests and no citations. Meltdown in one, three, two, one. Here's an aerial shot of Friday's reopened Wisconsin rally. Molly Breck. As the protesters continues, the State Department of Health Service reports the state's highest daily total of 304 cases since yesterday. Wednesday was also a record of 225, and none of us know that it takes up to four days to get it because we're all fucking stupid. At least lefties are, so there's no correlation, but we're still playing that game. Taylor Collar, incredible view from Wisconsin 12 Chopper in Madison this afternoon showing the stay-at-home protest against Governor Evers' order. That is a lot of people. Our crew on the ground report people are carrying long guns. Sean Johnson. This man's carrying a handgun and an AR-15 today. Open Wisconsin Rally Madison. First Amendment stands for nothing if you don't have the Second Amendment to protect it. Is he worried that COVID-19? I am not. Why should I be? There was even a novelty guillotine there. Sean Johnson. Sorry, I had a page freeze. Vast majority of people at the rally were not were not open carrying guns. But I stumbled onto a scene like this a few times. There appears to be a guillotine they're posing next to. Oh, and there's Trump supporters, Sean Johnson, at today's rally. People with Trump flags. All those fucking pieces of shit. Lacrosse resident Russ Lasherman, 69, says there's no reason to have a statewide stay-at-home order. You got two major areas in Wisconsin that are bad, but the rest, especially the western part of the state, northern part of the state, there's nothing. Some protesters are angry that the American flag wasn't flying in front of the Capitol, but they were on the wrong side of the building. Scott Bauer, protesters state Capitol are chanting, where's our flag, and pointing to the Capitol saying it's a disgrace. There's no American flag flies on the other side of the building for where they rally, because they're all stupid people. Sean Johnson, Mickey Bitsko flagged me down as soon as I got there. Thus... This is an illegal assembly. Ever says we're illegals. He says people everywhere are non, non-essential. This one, that one, he's picking winners and losers. Who does that sound like? Chairman Mao, Joseph Stalin, Lenin, Trotsky. Nobody verifies what they are. Nobody. Nobody. They never verify anything. They just run with shit, and, and they take pictures of people with Trump flags, and they belittle them. And and, and do you? Th- well, a, a in a liberal protest, there never be a flag upset. They never be upset. They'd be upset if the flag was flying. But in this case, they had to make a point to say, "Oh, it's on the other side." These are stupid people. They're just fucking stupid people. So there you go. Just remember, as we go into the next section, we're going to listen to lies. Schumer, once the saying Trump was said it was a hoax, it wasn't. Mitchell and Pelosi lying about who's holding up bills. We all know it was the left. MSNBC lying about testing. And then we're going to come in 
to CNN being told to move back, and they just had a meltdown once again, and then she didn't get a question called, and then there were articles from Tommy Christopher, CNN Collins was heroic at a Trump briefing, because Tommy Christopher's a little fucking faggot. Yeah, I said it. Faggot. I don't mean homosexual. I mean piece of fucking shit. But throughout all of this, just one newspaper, Washington Post, Trump fires response, 25 to 1 negative headlines. It's our 90% thing. It's been going since November 2016. It'll never stop. They will fight against everything. Once again, if he, if he cured cancer, they would dog him for it. So, what does that say about progressives? Yesterday, um, the New York Times was first with a story about a top vaccine doctor uh, who was ousted from his position. He was demoted. He's still in the federal government um, because he didn't champion the unproven drug treatments that Donald Trump and his allies on Fox News were so enthused about, calling them game changers. Is there a more robust oversight role for science right now in the executive branch that you would advocate? This is science, and because so many in the administration haven't listened to science is one of the reasons we're in trouble here. And it says another thing, Nicole. Everyone has seen how Donald Trump has behaved during coronavirus, so much of a concern about himself rather than helping people, pushing it under the rug, calling it a hoax, saying it'll go away, delaying the activities we need. But what people may not realize is there's a problem just about as bad. There's almost no one in the White House who speaks truth to power, who says the truth to the president, Mm -hmm. who says you have to listen to this. In fact, anybody who does that, like this gentleman from Barda, ends up getting fired. Or, like so many others we know, big names, generals, uh, they get exasperated and leave. When truth doesn't prevail, that's the American way, truth and facts and science When they don't prevail, we run into real trouble. And in this administration, there are just too few people who will speak that truth to power, who will let people, let the president know what the real facts are and say, Mr. President, you're wrong. Chloroquine doesn't work. Right. What do you, I mean, that happened, what you just described happened yesterday in real time on on live TV. It was um, at best awkward, frightening. At worst, the head of the CDC was obviously asked by Donald Trump to pull back a statement he made about the winter potentially being more difficult than what we're dealing with now. Do you see a role for, is there anything you can do to help bolster the role of science as the country navigates the public information scene? Well, for instance, we called for a, in in the just past 3.5, which the House will vote for today, we called for a robust plan on testing. And we Joe Biden raised the issue that he thinks the president is trying to kick back the election and somehow not have the uh, create a rationale not to hold the election on November 3rd as scheduled. If there's a a resurgence of the virus in the fall, it's a constitutional mandate. Are you sure that you can and Democrats can make sure that we have the election as scheduled? We must. And that is, I know there's a danger and people are scared, uh, but we must and we will. 
this is, uh, uh, he has done so much to undermine our democracy, uh, to undermine our rights, the, not uh, dishonoring the Constitution, undermining the integrity of our voting process, denigrating our newcomers to our country, uh, 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 just degrading our environment, our values, and the rest. Uh, so he has done a lot to undermine who we are as America. But the fact is, we cannot allow him uh, to do that to our democracy. That will not happen. And God willing, maybe some Republicans might even stand up for our country, our Constitution, and our democracy as well. I think they will. You know, just because you say it again and again and again doesn't make it true. No, I mean, I mean, you <laughs> and know. it's just people can see it. Uh, the, the president, somebody ought to let the president know that people mm. can see well, that the a, testing is not there for them. There's 320 million people here. Four million at this point is pitiful. This is way lower than the, the president, the vice president, and his team promised. It's pitiful, most believe, yeah. because the states are all competing and trying to get tests from places like South Korea, which did it right. And we still look way behind because there's no nationalized coordinated effort. That's the no. feeling that most have. And if you're a governor of a state, you're frustrated because you're in this situation and the president could change it. So as much as he has these briefings, which are really campaign rallies, where he's trying to get the cat light to go this way and that way for the media and appeal directly to his people, his people... Many of them will be impa impacted by the coronavirus, well, and his people won't be able to get tests, and his people will end up in hospitalators, hospitals and on ventilators just as much as anybody else. He can't fight this reality with his mouth. Well, so his people, it's all of us. He's, we've got one president, and if he gets testing right, then we can get back to work. If he gets testing wrong, then you're going to have people <clears throat> getting back 30. to work before we're ready. More people dying, and as his own CDC director said, uh, just absolute devastation in the fall. But, 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 but really, this is again, this goes to the disconnect. Like, the president has to know that seniors are watching him. And when he talks about more tests than anybody else, they know that per senior, per person, per capita, the United States of America, the most technologically advanced, the most medically adva advanced, the most scientifically advanced nation in the world is far, far behind oh. other countries when it comes to testing per patient, testing per person, testing per seniors. It's like, you know, it's like comparing Delaware and California, California can say, yes, we have more of everything, but maybe you don't per capita. Mm -hmm. And maybe that hurts California on this. But, but again, he makes these wild claims. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Have you been able to use our relationship to get more information about his status? Uh, I think the report was incorrect. Let me just put it that way. I think the report was done by a network that uh, was uh, incorrect. 
I'm, I'm hearing they used old documents. Uh, but I, I, that's what I hear. I hear the report was an incorrect report. I hope it was an in, incorrect report. When was the last time you heard from him? I don't want to say. Yeah. Pointed to me. Uh, just a quick question about that. So you haven't made any contact, though, just to make sure. With who? The North Koreans. I don't want to say. I, I won't say that. Okay. Um, we so. have a good relationship with North Korea. As good as you can have. I mean, we have a good relationship with North Korea. Uh, I have a good relationship with Kim Jong-un, and I hope he's okay. And somebody would say, oh, that's terrible. No, it's not terrible. I hope he's okay. And I think it was a fake report done by CNN. Can I ask you a question? What do you have? Go ahead. No, that's enough. Go ahead. But that wasn't my question. The problem is you don't write the truth. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I want to go I want to go to the next Can I ask you a question about... No, not CNN, please. Go ahead. The White House has not you don't, responded to I told you. CNN is fake news. Don't talk to me. Go ahead, please. But he says he was retaliated against, and that's why he was removed from his job. Do you have a response to that? Okay, next question. Professor, I have... Two questions, one on behalf of a colleague who's not here because of social... Just ask one, please. First one, could you talk about your... Uh, they didn't, Anderson, and I think we, we found out today that the president's uh, words have meaning, but they're also at times hazardous to your health, uh, and I think that was part of uh, what we learned today. And, and going to your point, Anderson, uh, there just isn't enough disinfectant at the White House uh, to wash away what the president did and the lies that were told to try to cover it up. I will tell you, Anderson, one of the reasons why he cut short that briefing uh, earlier this evening, my sources tell me, is because the president was upset about the flack he was taking over uh, his comments, that people could use disinfectants to kill uh, the coronavirus inside their bodies. Uh, but it goes beyond that, Anderson. We're talking to our sources inside the White House uh, this evening, and they're telling us that there is a discussion going on about uh, uh, paring down these briefings, limiting these briefings, making better use of these briefings is the way one White House official described it because they feel like the president is getting diminishing returns. But Anderson, I mean, just to go to show you the Soviet-style totalitarian-like lengths they were going to this evening, they were trying to rearrange the seats in the briefing room. So our colleague, Caitlin Collins, would be stuck in the back of the briefing room instead of being in the front row of the briefing room. And another reporter would be moved to the front of the briefing room. That uh, print reporter, uh, Chris Johnson, thank goodness for him, refused to get up out of his seat. And so it took uh, almost an act of civil disobedience uh, to foil the White House plans. There was a White House official who was saying, well, we're going to get the Secret Service involved if you guys don't switch seats around. And so... <laughs> It's, yeah, it's a, because it's a security. It's a, Caitlin Collins is suddenly what the president said. Caitlin Collins is suddenly a security risk to that the Secret Service would be involved. I mean, that's a good use of uh, Secret Service resources. It's remarkable. It's re yeah. Nobody's heroic. You guys are a bunch of spotlighters. To the Tommy Christopher article, CNN White House correspondents Caitlin Collins performed heroically at Trump's coronavirus briefing by pressing him on the scandalous allegation of whistleblower Dr. Rick Bright. But her colleagues let her down by allowing Trump to streamroll past the thing because it's false. Only CNN believed it. Hunter Walker, White House staff just came into the briefing room and informed the print pooler that they want them to swap seats with CNN. That would move CNN to the back row from the front. WHC made the seat assignments, not staff. And they just fucking freak out about a change. That's how petty they are. James Dupree, wow, 
Trump and Pence take no questions. Kelly O'Donnell, the president, declines to take any questions at this briefing. Remember, the president tweeted he was having a press conference, which by definition means taking questions. Justin Sink, unclear if Trump didn't take questions because he didn't want to explain the beef, the bleach injections. Yamashi Alcindor. Wow, the briefing's over. That was much shorter than usual today. It lasted 21 minutes. President Trump took no questions of Porter after officials spoke and after he's been under pressure all day for his comments about injecting disinfectants, which he didn't say. Sam Stein, honestly, makes sense. There was no actual way to answer that question. Jonathan Swan, President Trump plans to pare back his coronavirus press conferences, according to four sources familiar with the internal deliberations. As soon as that week, he may stop appearing daily altogether. So he does the briefing, you don't want him to do the briefing, you don't air the briefing, you you just pick apart little things that are usually false, and then you throw a fit about it, CNN? The first time, it's only a 22-minute briefing, this is the first time that the president uh, has been afraid to answer questions from reporters. Reporters were all there, they were sitting in the White House briefing room, that's their job to ask serious, important, tough questions. The president clearly... Uh, shall we say, was chicken today, didn't want to answer questions that the reporters had prepared. You make it too easy. You just make it too easy because this is what you do. And then you have Chris Saliza from CNN. If the election were postponed, Trump and Vice President Mike Pence would no longer have their jobs. And because of the line secession, Pelosi, as likely Speaker of the House in 2021, would almost certainly be president for a few months. Red states. This has already been widely debunked. Pelosi's term is up in January as well, as is about a third of the Senate. So it would either be Grassley or more likely Leahy, depending. Depending. Jesus fucking Christ, please give your job and salary to someone else. Do you have any editors? Another person. But if the election were postponed, which won't happen, the presumably Pelosi would not be reelected either, nor would any member of the House. Stephen L. Miller later. I updated the piece, which undercuts the entire thesis of my piece. I journalismed because he went back and changed it because a lefty said it to him. Stephen Miller again. He is without doubt the most outright dumbest motherfucker in the whole media. And he just gets constantly promoted. And that is so true. But who is starting Trump is going to postpone the election? Is it Trump or is it the media? It's the far left, my friends. And then the media parrots it. They don't parrot what the right says. They parrot what the left says. And it's perfect because it segues right into Lysol. But before we do Lysol, this was not reported. Just like Cuomo going to the Hamptons. Looks like Trump Cuomo not being quarantined. Well, people... We found the blog where Chris Cuomo's wife talked about how she treated the two of them for coronavirus, and it's legitimately the most fucked up thing you'll read today, possibly all year. Pandemic Magazine, Purist founder Christina Cuomo outlined the health and diet regimen, followed by her husband, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, while he had COVID. Ben Dominic, both days, I added a half a cup of Clorox, to my bathwater to combat, combat the radiation and metals in my system and auctionate it. Bridget Reed, Monday, April 6th, fever 99 with an afternoon spike of 101, an evening spike aggravated by full moon. 
Yosefa Velasquez. The younger Cuomo seems to be taking some interesting herbal supplements for his COVID-19 symptoms. I don't like the idea of taking too much Tylenol as it suppresses the immune system. Ben Dominic. I used a body charger, which energy specialist Randy O'Pete suggested I borrow from a friend. It sent electrical frequencies through the body to oxygenate my blood and stimulate the health production of blood cells to fortify my immune system. It also rebalanced my energy. Oh, and have a board-certified psychiatrist come to your house, whatever the fuck this is. On Tuesday and Wednesday, when my sinuses congested was painful, I enlisted Dr. Roxana Navar from Pretty Healthy New York City, who also does vitamin drips at home in the Hamptons. She showed up in her full hazmat outfit and 3M mask. I got magnesium, NAC, a precursor to glutathione, said to be helpful against COVID, vitamin C with lysine, proline, and B-complex folic zinc, selenium, glothium, and caffeine to combat the headache. I also rented a PEMF, Pulse Electronic Magnified Field Machine, which optimizes the ability of cells to start healing and uses low-energy fields to stimulate the self-healing mechanism of the cells after a physical injury or viral attack on the body tissues or bones. For COVID-19, it increases the speed with which your lungs and whole body can recover. I was able to rent it from Stan Wellness and Watermill for a month, but it is good for the use of ailments at any time. I've used it in my office for the arthritis of my foot and for inflammation, Lyme disease caused my sold shoulders. Every day this week, Chris and I both ate an Aruvid lunch from Chef Corey DeRosa at Topava in Bridgehampton. His menu treats food as medicine, aside from improvising, improving digestion. Topana's, Topava's dishes are also nourishing and cleansing. They focus on having balanced proportions of essential healing microvitamin and minerals and microproteins, carbs, and fats. I had also ordered a lot of comfort Italian cuisine to go from Aquilina. That way I could freeze it and have it on hand for the kids to simply heat and eat. What? What? What the fuck was that? What the fuck, Chuck? And he's the first one to bash Trump on Lysol. The first one. The first one. So before we Lysol... It came out this week, Buck Sexton, sunlight and fresh air kills the virus off faster than darkness in environment, indoor environments. The scientists have confirmed that all us already knew maybe open the parks and public spaces. Jim Acosta instantly. Burks disagrees on sunlight as a treatment for the virus, not as a treatment. Again, top government doctors disagree with Trump's scientific ideas at briefing. Yet everybody's putting it out. Scientists have said it can't live in the sunlight. Hot temperatures retread it. So they're going to bash him on Lysol when their guy is actually taking bleach baths, who has COVID. And then when it comes out, hey, sunlight will help you, they dog it because they're fucking CNN. Why does it matter? We should be worried about each other and our public health. I agree. But look at the Google trends. A massive spike in searches of terms like disinfectant and Injection. I wonder why. Just happens to come after the president trial ballooned exactly that as a possible coronavirus cure. 
People who are actually looking this up. Come on, my brothers and sisters. And yet, I can't really put it on you. Why wouldn't you take a look? The president told you seriously that this is something that they may look at. Lysol had to come out and issue warnings that under no circumstances should its disinfectants be put inside the human body. His protectors in righty media are saying to me, it was wrong of you, Cuomo, to make that joke that Trump is saying, take two shots of Windex, swallow a light bulb and call me in the morning. Really? But you're going to defend what he said, right? Because everything's okay if he says it, right? And you wonder why things are so wrong. This ain't state TV, all right? We're going to give it to you straight here because it matters too much. This was Trump's response today, the most toxic part of the occasion. Now, I was asking a question sarcastically to reporters like you just to see what would happen. You're not encouraging Americans to. No, of course. No, of course. That was uh, interior wise. It's said sarcastically. It It was put in the form of a question to a group of extraordinarily hostile people, namely the fake news media. You're looking at Dr. Burke. I was looking at Bill. I was looking at the doctor. I was looking at some of the reporters. I don't know if you were there. Were you there? I don't think you were there. I was there, and I no, not you, not after. you, not you. You were there. You, if you're there, I'd never forget. You were. I, I was there. You were not. No, sir. Yeah, I didn't think you were there. We were all there. We watched it on tape. This is not a mystery. This is not an open question. Here's what he said. I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of lungs. So it would be interesting to check that. You see anybody laughing? You see people behind him like this? <laughs> no, not one. Why? Because he wasn't joking around. He was musing. He was doing what he was doing which is him making stuff up. And then he goes on to say today, oh, no, I was talking about the disinfectant on the hands. And, you know, did you know that if you rub the disinfectant on the hands, it it can kill coronavirus. It can kill things. So, you know, that's what I was talking about. And it was like I was waiting for him to say, you know, because you can put it on and, you know, and it's kind of clear. So maybe we call something like pure, you know, but it's a gel. So, you know, my idea is, you know, we put some stuff that, you know, can kill germs on our hands and, you know, we call it, you know, Purell. You know, that's just something I'm spitballing. I'm coming up with it. I mean, come on. Just own what you said. That's leadership. It was a stupid thing. Nobody really cares except the people who are Googling it because you won't own that you were wrong. Okay? And that's the problem here. Caitlin Collins was there. She heard it in person. But by the way, that's not the standard. All you need to do is hear the sound. There is no benefit of context that he's not getting. And tonight, another clue, the president wouldn't take questions about it. Caitlin Collins joins us now. Yeah, that's right, Chris. The president didn't take any questions tonight. That is, of course, a rarity for the president at these coronavirus briefings where often, you know, sometimes they go for one hour, potentially two, and the president takes lots of questions 
from reporters, but the last we heard from him today, you know, where he was taking questions was in the Oval Office when he was trying to explain away that remark, saying he was simply being sarcastic, though, of course, Chris, many people have noted that's not really what we heard from other people at the White House today, including when earlier they said actually the media had just been taking him out of context. And then Dr. Deborah Burks, who was in that briefing today, explained it in an interview on Fox News by saying the president was just digesting information in real time. Of course, that came after that presentation you saw from that top DHS official who, when the president was suggesting that doctors should look into those, his musings about potentially whether or not light and disinfectants could be used inside the body as a cure for coronavirus, the doctor, or excuse me, the DHS official even said, no, that's not really something that they do, but they could try to put it in the hands of people who do. And of course, Chris, we've seen the fallout today from this where the CDC had to issue a tweet saying, please do not use household products as they are not supposed to be used. Follow the instructions on the label. And even the Surgeon General putting out a tweet this morning saying you need to make sure you are consulting with your doctor before you pursue any kind of treatments when it comes to coronavirus. Before swallowing Clorox, please consult your doctor. You'll certainly need them after. Caitlin Collins, bless you uh, for keeping it straight in situations like this. I wish you a very good weekend. So, Brett, we know that the president, you know, is is in right now and he is also taking questions. And this is coming out about those comments that he made last night about injections of disinfectants. He says he was being sarcastic by posing a question to reporters. He claims that he did not ask medical experts to look into it. He was simply asking a sarcastic question. What's your thought on that? Well... That's not how it looked in the briefing and not, not how it came across uh, in the briefing. What's you know, problematic for this president is that sometimes he goes on these riffs. And when you're dealing with medical uh, things, statements, uh, when you're riffing from a podium, sometimes that works great on other topics uh, when politics comes into play. But when riffing about possible uh, cures or treatments, uh, it didn't seem like it was coming off as sarcastic when he was talking and turning to Dr. Burks on the side. Um, obviously, this spurred all kinds of coverage. It spurred a statement by Lysol not to inject its products. It spurred the FDA to put out uh, something as well. Uh, and obviously, this is his answer uh, to all of that criticism. But the president does get himself into these issues. I don't think he wants to cause any harm to anyone, obviously. And no one at home thinks, oh, you know what? I'm going to go drink bleach. I don't think. Um, right. But it is something that he clearly stepped in here. Yeah, it's a distraction. Okay, more outnumbered in just a moment. We'll be right back. We can clearly now see... That was not the case then, and it is not the case now, amid this horrific death toll. President Trump, meanwhile, continues to make bizarre public statements, ones at odds with medical and scientific expertise. The president last night suggesting that, quote, injecting disinfectant could be used as a treatment for coronavirus. In response, the official Twitter account of the Centers for Disease Control, Control and Prevention has now tweeted a warning that Americans should, quote, follow the instructions on the product label to ensure safe and effective, effective use. The company that makes Lysol also felt the need to issue a public statement warning customers to not consume their products. 
The White House press secretary and the president's factotums in the right-wing media claimed that the press was taking President Trump's comments out of context, which we were not. And then this afternoon, the president made their empty defenses of him even less rooted, in fact, when he claimed he had been sarcastic. And he was posing the questions to, to journalists, quote, just to see what would happen, unquote, which is not remotely what happened. Simply put, it's a bald-faced lie. The president wasn't even talking, po posing the bizarre question about disinfectants to journalists. He was talking to an official of the Department of Homeland Security who had been talking about how sunlight and disinfectants helped to kill the coronavirus when it was in the air and on non-porous surfaces, not when it was in the human body. But don't take it from me. Take a look and listen for yourself. So I asked Bill a question that probably some of you are thinking of if you're totally into that world, which I find to be very interesting. So supposing we hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light, and I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that, too. Sounds interesting. Right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? What's more important than Lysol Gate itself is what this all suggests about the president's ability to handle this crisis, which has now killed more than 50,000 people in the United States. CNN's case. Clarify your comments about injections of disinfectant. They're, they're quite. No, I was asking a question sarcastically to reporters like you, just to see what would happen. Now, disinfectant for doing this, maybe on the hands, would work. And I was asking the question of the gentleman who was there yesterday, Bill, because when they say that something will last three or four hours or six hours, but if the sun is out or if they use disinfectant, it goes away in less than a minute. Did you hear about this yesterday? But I was asking a sarcastic and a very sarcastic question to the reporters in the room about disinfectant on the inside. But it does kill it and it would kill it on the hands and that would make things much better. That was done in the form of a sarcastic question to the reporters. But you were okay. asking your medical experts to look into it. Uh, were you being no, sarcastic no, 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 with no. them? To look into whether or not sun and disinfectant on the hands, but whether or not sun can help us. Because, I mean, he came in yesterday and he said they've done a big study. This is a study. This isn't where he hasn't done it. This is where they've come in with a final report that sun has a massive impact negatively on this fiber. In other words, it does not live well with humidity and it doesn't live well with sun, sunlight, heat. It doesn't live well with heat and sun and disinfectant. And that's what I brought out. And I thought it was clear. Okay, anything else? You know, we're writing this article about media running with the notion that Trump somehow suggested people should shoot up Lysol to prevent or cure the coronavirus. We've officially ventured into one of the stupidest times in history. The media just loved to use Trump's ability to talk like and connect with the everyday Joe against him. Breibart's John Hayward explained it very well in a thread. 
Trump chose his words, words poorly with a layman's enthusiasm for complex medical treatments. He did not come anywhere near telling anyone to shoot up with Lysol. Absolutely no one would think he had if DNC media was not aggressively manufacturing the narrative. CNN, the company that makes Lysol, is urging customers to consume, not to consume its cleaning products after President Trump suggested the possibility of injecting disinfectants to protect people. Layman's enthusiasm for complex medical treatments, and to John's other point, don't drink bleach, wouldn't be trending this morning on Twitter if the legacy media hadn't pushed the silly narrative in the first place. The editor watched it live, and while he was not sort of rambling about sunlight and cleaners, at no point did she think he was suggesting Americans should ingest Lysol. John Hayward again. This entire cooked-up media storyline is equivalent to saying Barack Obama advocated invading and annexing Canada when he said there were 57 states. You can ding politicians for clumsy phrasing, slips of tongue, or talking too much without putting words in their mouth. Amazingly, how quickly DNC media outlets stopped every even trying to quote Trump verbatim and began swapping in more outrageous words instead of disinfectant. They clearly knew they had to do some surgery on the quote to get the narrative they wanted. You only have to go through another page or two of transcript to see that Trump was talking about, but suddenly our guardians of truth, the gatekeepers of context, the only people qualified to tell the whole story, decided that was too much trouble. They could have gotten a fair hit on Trump for riffing on complicated medical techniques, but that wouldn't be much of a story, would it? They would have just sounded like churchish nitpicking. <clears throat> Trump wasn't even entirely wrong to call the treatment a disinfectant. So instead, we get a manufactured media APB blast-heading news coverage of something Trump did not say, based on taking a few seconds of his remarks completely and maliciously out of context, based on a phantom fear that some idiots will grab syringes and shoot up Lysol. And to date, the only people known to have acted so stupidly based on outrageous misinterpretation of something Trump said were a couple of rabid Trump haters. One of them might actually have murdered the other. Funny how we never heard of about them anymore. The whole garbage story, and this was the hydrochloric and fish cleaner, is the worst kind of fake news. A false narrative blasted loudly enough to drown out truth. The goal is to make a common knowledge within 24 hours that Trump told people to inject themselves with Lysol. It was trending on Twitter because Twitter is part of the problem. Brian Fallon said it. James Felton Josh Muggle, Brian Butler, Chunk Enger, Just Inneran, Ian Milhauser, Aaron Rupar, David Rothschild, John Rogers, Acosta, everybody on CNN, everybody on MSNBC, Trent Jeer, Ken Kippenstein. This is the most New York Times brain thing I've ever seen. And the view of some experts, you mean, and the view of everyone with a functioning, fucking functioning brain. Did you get your editor's license from a gumball machine? Peter Dow. The root. Trump suggests swallowing light bulbs and shooting up disinfectant to kill coronavirus. We find a die. Fact check. No, Trump did not tell people to inject Lysol. Didn't take it out of this article. What I took was this. Speaker Nancy Pelosi falsely claimed during her weekly press conference in Capitol Visitor Center on Friday that President Trump told people to inject Lysol into their lungs. During her press briefings, emphasis added, the president is asking people to inject Lysol in their lungs, and Mitch is saying the state should go bankrupt. It's a clear visible within 24 hours of how the Republicans reject science or reject governance. Pelosi later said at the end of the press conference, we had some support in the Senate and Republican side, but the White House, they tell me, it came right from the president. No money for the post office. 
us. Instead, inject Lysol in your lungs as we shut down the states. They are the ones that were holding on it. The media let them hold it. They let them play the game. When Republicans did it, it was obstruction. Christopher Cuomo. Gee, wonder why they couldn't tell it was just sarcasm. Jim Skudo, the manufacturer of Lysol. Quarantine queen, your wife takes bleach baths to combat the virus, and your whole infected family is out and about while you're supposed to be quarantined. Maybe you should sit this out, Chris. Carol Markowitz again. The only person we know of actually using Clorox to fight coronavirus is Chris Cuomo's wife, who says she adds it to her bath. We're going to give it to you straight here. Is a joke. This is all a joke. Mike Bassage. Chris Cuomo, at the direction of my doctor, suggested I take a bath and add a tiny amount of sodium hypochlorite in the form of Clorox breach to get back the radiation and metals in my system and oxygenate it. One thing Trump hasn't done is break quarantine while infected with the coronavirus, publicly and viciously attack an average Joe, asked why he was blatantly violating health guidelines, and then gaslight millions of people with fake Lazarus moment rising from the basement. You infected half your family and countless others. Your wife baths in Clorox. You should sit this out for Frito. HuffPo headline, please do not bathe in Clorox like Christina Cuomo. My little boogie. Remember, Republicans, the proper way to inject disinfectant in your lungs is with a bullet. That's our media. Then we start getting more about the Arizona couple, Washington Free Beacon, Elena Goodman, breaking the narrative. The close, those close to the Arizona engineer who died after his wife put fish tank cleaner in his soda says her story didn't add up. Yes, please. I would love to drink some of the Koi fish tank cleaner. One of his close friends told the Washington Beacon, it just doesn't make any sense. Lena's passed away on March 22nd after he and his wife Wanda Litas drank soda that she had mixed with fish tank cleaner. Amanda Becker reminds myself to never so much as retweet a Beacon story because the related troll army is so obnoxious it's not worth it. Plus, given their racist headlines of BS, it's better not to give them any traffic. Not the onion. Maggie Haberman, man who died ingesting fish tank cleaner, remembered as intelligent, level-headed person. Stephen Miller, or you can make you rolled your eyes at the headline without actually reading the piece you were rolling your eyes at. Dunno, please, a real journalist descends from the ivory tower to read the free beacon. Because she didn't read the headline and she retweeted it, and here's the reality. They were liberal donors. This is a bullshit story. But nobody has recanted the story. It's just still out there. It's still there. Her whole article destroys it. Momo. But congratulations to everyone who has swallowed this story, hook, line, and sinker. You can murder your husband or sexually assault your staffers, and the media will cover you so long as you're useful in the war against Orange Man. Multiple articles. Media blame Trump for man dying for fish tank cleaner. The plot thickens. It looks like the wife fucking killed him. Killed him. And the only place I could find that actually 
said this is a bullshit story too with Lysol was Brett Baer. Let's just set the Brett record Baer, straight. Take here. It away. I mean, there was a clean there was a clean bill that once they found out that the the small business pot was going to be dry, there was a clean bill to put more money in it. Nancy Pelosi did not go forward right. with that. Period. The end. Stop there. So, yes, they wanted to do other things. Democrats did. But to have an answer that says that it was Mitch McConnell who delayed is really political jujitsu. And you have to have somebody that pushes back and says, wait a second. In that time that there was a delay, there are X number of small businesses around the country that had to make the decision. I haven't gotten the money, so I've got to let these people go. So when the number goes up 4.4 million on unemployment, there's a reason that it goes up that way. And that delay is part of it. I mean, the whole thing's a fucking joke. When they weren't playing this dick dance, they were then going after Fox News again. I'm not going to... Well, let's just play it. Here's Mika tearfully talking about how Fox News needs to change. So much happened yesterday during that briefing. There was so much to cover, so many different layers of disinformation and undermining of the top scientists of the presidents. There was a lot to cover. We often try and sort of stay away from our colleagues in the business, but Fox News has several puppets for this president constantly going on the air, constantly re repeating what he says verbatim. These people are working for Trump behind the scenes. We try and stay away from it. We try and hope that Fox News will do their best, that there are other hosts on the network that really step up and do the right thing, and, and we hope that prevails. We hope that goodness prevails, and we hope that uh, ability to be objective prevails and try and put the facts first. But we repeatedly see it not happening on certain shows. And last night, Sean Hannity went after Joe at the top of his show, for quite a long time, perhaps it was too tough to take the president's ridiculous ideas and make them into a reality for his viewers and put viewers at risk. Perhaps it was even too much for Sean Hannity. So he had to find some sort of foil to go after. It's just, it's got to stop at some point. Brian Stelter, that's the point about the responsibility of our business and the president, but uh, we can only speak, I guess I can only speak for our business, I don't speak for him, in that, uh, as the doctor notes, uh, we need more data, we need more evidence, but in anxious times, people sometimes do look to people they trust for guidance, and we know there was a run on this drug. Yes, and the millions of Americans who use this drug for approved purposes, including my wife, people who have autoimmune issues and need this drug, became worried they wouldn't be able to get it because of the drug pushing that was happening on Fox News and from the White House podium. You know, we have, the president yesterday was asked about this new study, and he said he hadn't seen the report. And that may be because Fox News is barely talking about it, because it doesn't fit the narrative that was being promoted in late March and early April. But recently, Fox has moved on. They've stopped talking about this drug and the, the hope that it could be beneficial. They've moved on to other quick fixes and other pro-Trump narratives. You know, this network, these stars, they think they're helping the president, but they're actually hurting him when they push these narratives. And ultimately, they're misleading their viewers, and that's why it is so troubling. Why would we ever think a Fox News star or any president should be promoting a drug? It's outlandish. Uh, it is outlandish. Uh, to be fair, though, uh, Dr. Reiner, uh, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, a Democrat, did say, let's give this a try. The federal government sent him some 
an inventory of hydroxychloroquine, and New York did a limited study, and then they've sent the results now of some patients, like compassionate care, I think, is if a doctor's having trouble with a patient, you ask the patient, nothing else is working, do you want to try this? And it's up to the patient to do it. And they have sent data to the FDA now and the CDC. Uh, Because that was taxpayer-funded, eventually we have to see that. Then another fake story, Reuters. A Reuters special report, HHS Chief Alex Azar tapped ex-professional Labradoodle breeder to coordinate the coronavirus response. Dallas Morning News broke this one up. This is now fake. This is how fake news happened. Good for the Dallas News for setting this straight. No, Trump did not put a Labradoodle breeder in charge of COVID. Jennifer Griffin report that a dog breeder was in charge of COVID. White House Task Force was very misleading. Brian Harrison worked in the Bush administration. His wife worked at the Pentagon. Sam Stein brings in the great hypocrisy. In a normal universe, there would be some real accountability for those who use their platform to push incorrect facts. FDA cautions against using hydrochloroquine or chloroquine outside of the hospital setting. The entire world, you can't do it without a prescription. The two liberal donors did it. That's it. But you'll push all this other fake news. It's okay to fucking scare the shit out of people and tell them we're all going to fucking die. There's no accountability for that. Then we got uh, fucking Carl from ABC. Stephen Chung. Embarrassing. The press corps has no idea what they're talking about. John Carl. California has been partially broken with CDC restrictions. Do you agree, Dr. Brinks? No, we don't. The um, state of California is now uh, partially broken with CDC uh, restrictions on who would get guidance on who should get testing uh, because they want to test people without any symptoms at all in high-risk environments like a a nursing home. Uh, Do you agree with this? Well, not only do we agree with it, it was in our guidelines. That was fundamental to our guidelines, and I think we were the first group that said testing asymptomatics will be key. We've always said that we think that's a a significant contribution to infections, and we went to the places where we thought it was most critical to find cases the earliest, and so that is where we have asked states in the guidelines to start with nursing home, indigenous peoples, and people in underserved areas areas in cities to really ensure that we're monitoring for any type, because we know the asymptomatic piece may be um, the tip of the iceberg, um, in fact, be the iceberg underneath the surface. And so I watched live that PD last night. Now, now, nobody out there was doing anything right. They haven't been doing anything right. But what they were talking about was bullshit. Just bullshit. Brett Baer, let's get the record straight. One, one re, Once Republicans found out the PPP was going to run dry, there was a clean bill to replenish it. We heard that. He's putting out some real stuff. How about Zeke Emanuel? Ezekiel Emanuel. Real clear politics. Tom Bevan called Joe Biden advisor and Obamacare architect Ezekiel Emanuel for slight off projection on March 27th. The U.S. would have 100 people, 100 million people infected. He was off by 99 million. 
On March 27th, Ezekiel Manuel said the number of cases is doubling every three to four days. That means that we'll have 100 million people at COVID in about four weeks. Michael Walsh, not if you're one of the Emanuels and you work for Obama. Kurt Schilster, are there any consequences for being wrong? David Harrisay, on March 12th, Andy Slavitt said that experts had assured him that the million people were going to die since we have failed to contain it. He's still a go-to expert on cable TV. Morning Joe, without more tests, Americans can't reopen, and to make matters worse, we're testing the wrong people. Washington Post, from September to February, we're not able to safely fill stadiums with tens of thousands of people each week. Ezekiel Manuel and Aaron Glickman write. The last word, Dr. Zeke Emanuel sets the record straight on Trump's dangerous comments at Thursday's Corona briefing. And then you have the next tangent that's going on. Politico, mass casualties from the coronavirus could upend the political landscape in battleground states and shift contests away from President Trump. Academic researchers writing a little-noticed public administration journal, Administrative Theory and Praxis, concluded that when considering nothing other than the tens of thousands of deaths projected from the virus, demographic shift alone could be enough to swing crucial states to Joe Biden in the fall. There are about ten of those articles. Because that's what this is about. That's what the media is doing. It's just what they're doing. And I don't even have to, like, hint to it. I just have to play Nicole Wallace and Joy Behar. What you need is somebody who is stable. You need somebody who's going to bring sanity, stability, empathy, a sense of calm to the nation. Yeah, well, he does need more exposure. I'll give him that. I mean, this guy's on every night bloviating for two, three hours, taking questions, making up stories. Uh, Biden could use a little uh, airtime. And I think that the media should start giving it to him, starting with us. We should have him here on a regular basis. If we all know Joe and all of us on this show do, I actually think it has the potential to be a really bipartisan cabinet and again i'm only telling you this is conjecture of my own beliefs nothing i know um that it could be we could see republicans and democrats and independents in this cabinet and i do think to joy's point this country is in a lot of pain and if there's one thing that i'm constantly striving for it's for us to be meeting in the middle and celebrating our the things that unite us as a country instead of the things that tear us apart we're in the middle of one of the great crises of my lifetime of all of our lifetimes and i do think a president who has character and empathy is something that most Americans are longing for. And I think the worse these job numbers get, the worse the unemployment numbers get, I think the more he has has to benefit from this. My big concern is just his inability to campaign right now. Something both tragic and pathetic um, and ironic about the fact that it took a, um, you know, colorblind, genderblind um, state you know, state line blind virus to sort of have all of the president's sins from his first three years catch up with him. You can't stand there and lie. You can't contradict your scientists because they're the ones that stand at 66 and 68 percent public trust, not you. He's down at 38 percent. Pence is lower than him. I mean, he needs those people, whether he likes what they say or not. And I, I wonder what you think about whether or not there's some silver lining there. That some of the things that, that, that we've been talking about for three years may be finally catching up with him. Yeah. It's a glint of hope. The silver lining in this is that Trump can lose. 
Yeah. Yeah, that that's fucking nice. I even have a soundbite of Cuomo saying the WHO fucked this up. I won't play it. But they they are all in, man. This is just just what they do. So as we go out to our next section, not a bumper. Here is Philip Rucker getting leveled by Trump, and we're going to go into our Biden section. Another soundbite of the lady in Minnesota or Michigan, excuse me, who got saved by hydrochloroquine, and because she spoke out, the Democratic Party's going to nail her. We'll then come into 24 minutes on late night. No Tara Reid. None. Um, there is so much more to this story. Um, it, it is, and it's shameful, actually, on the Democratic Party. Uh, 13 congressional leader uh, Jonathan Kinlock, who also works for Governor Gretchen Whitmer, has decided that, and I believe this is the governor, has decided that she is going to slap me on the wrist by silencing me. And it's a shame. It's a shame that she's doing this. It's it's politics at its best in a time like this during a pandemic when she should be focusing on the city of Detroit and the state of Michigan. This is what she's focusing on, trying to silence me. I guess this is teaching me to be in my place, and that's not going to stop me. I declare, Mr. President, after the presentation we just saw about the heat and the humidity, is it dangerous for you to make people think they would be safe by going outside in the heat, considering that so many people are dying in Florida, considering that this virus has had an outbreak in Singapore, places that are yeah, hot and are good. Here we go. The new, the new headline is Trump asks people to go outside. That's dangerous. Here we go. Same old group. Uh, you ready? I hope people enjoy the sun. And if it has an impact, that's great. I'm just hearing this, not really for the first time. I mean, there's been a rumor that, you know, a very nice rumor that you go outside of the sun or you have heat and it does have an effect on other viruses. But now we get it from one of the great laboratories of the world. Respectfully, sir, you're the president and people tuning into these briefings, they want to get information and guidance and want to know what to do. They're not looking for rumors. I'm the president and you're fake news. And you know what I'll say to you? I'll say very nicely. I know you well. I know you well because I know the guy. I see what he writes. He's a total faker. So are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? It's just a suggestion from a brilliant lab by a very, very smart, perhaps brilliant man. I think it was a fake report done by CNN. What do you have? Go ahead. No, that's enough. Go ahead. But that wasn't my question. The problem is you don't write the truth. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I want to go I want to go to the next Can I ask you a question about... No, not CNN, please. Go ahead. The White House has not responded to the allegations. I told you. CNN is fake news. Don't talk to me. Go ahead, please. But he says he was retaliated against, and that's why he was removed from his job. Do you have a response to that? Look, tomorrow's Super Third, Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. I'll tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. You mentioned his press briefings there. How frustrating is it for you as the presumptive nominee? To be in quarantine in your basement on Zoom calls while the president is getting to do these, we're calling them press briefings, but uh, uh, oftentimes they feel like campaign rallies. How frustrating is it for you in your basement watching 
the president do this for two hours every day? And the president, he, uh, he I, I don't, my impression is he doesn't have a whole lot of sense of empathy. But you do. Doing. And that, I think, is the, there are many differences between you and the current president of the United States. But empathy, I believe, is an important difference. And there will be families watching this who aren't scared about next week. They're scared about tomorrow. Yeah. And they're scared about the day after that. And what would you say to them to calm their fears right now? So the last podcast with the Biden. Oh, don't worry out there. Those are up on the times. I, I, I got the big whammy on Biden this week. Don't worry. I'm just saving it for the end. Because I think it's better to look at how the media is doing this. So we read the one article from CNN, which was Democrats grapple. Well, Stephen L. Miller, or Red Stays, so much grapple. It's now everybody. WAPO, New York Times, uh, Lisa Lehrer, uh, uh, Lerner, or I don't know what the fuck her name is. Uh, she's from fucking uh, Mother Jones, Politico. They all came out since our last podcast with the Me Too movement is facing a new challenge. How to grapple with the allegations against Joe Biden. The Jake Tapper one. Lisa Lehrer, sexual assault advocates are grappling that's their new line. We're not really addressing it. We're grappling. Stephen L. Miller, media grapples with how to avoid asking Joe Biden about these allegations. Everyone grappling with questions except the person who actually did the grappling. Libs are grappling with Joe Biden grappling. <laughs> what happened to believe all victims? Went away faster than when they go low, we go high. The right M. There's one person not having to grapple. A picture, a picture of Biden. Brad Palumbo. It really shouldn't be hard to not be a total hypocrite. But they're making it hard. Ben Jammin. Seems that grappling is the new Me Too buzzword. So in our first segment, I said this will never happen to Biden. We will not wordsmith. We will not say he said that all Mexicans are rapists. We will not say those fine people. We will not say injected Lysol. I know for sure it'll never go on Twitter. Twitter reportedly cracks down on memes. Mocking Biden. Twitter allows manipulated media on Donald Trump to remain on its platform, but memes of Democratic presidential candidate former Biden are allegedly taken down if they even mentioned. A meme made to look like a fake Biden ad showed the candidate smiling with a beam of light coming from his chest. A statement said, his brain, no, his heart, sits to the left of the person. Trump Director of Communication Tim Murtaugh allegedly tweeted the image saying, is this fake? Can't trust Twitter, but this would seem to be Biden campaign leaning in on the fact that old Joe has lost his fastball. According to Vox Tech Magazine, The Verge, a Twitter spokesman said, Our enforcement team determined that this tweet violated our election integrity policy. They're taking appropriate steps to enforce our policy across the service. Murtaugh's tweet was removed, said The Verge. At least 20 other accounts were allegedly suspended or have been had tweets allegedly removed, including actress and congressional candidate Mindy Robinson, human event editor Ian Miles Charn, uh, Chong, tweeted that Rob Robinson, conservative pundit John Cardillo, 
and other accounts were allegedly suspended. According to OpenSecrets.org, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey gave exclusive to Democrats and has already given to Biden. Then we have the bombshell. Megan McCardle. If this holds up, there will be more contemporaneous evidence for Tara Reid's accusation against Joe Biden than from Christine Blasey Floyd's allegation against Kavanaugh. In August 93, the month Tara Reid left Biden's office, a woman called Larry King's show saying her daughter had a problem in a prominent senator's office but did not want to go to the press about it. The woman was Reid's late mother. Curtis Houck. Here is the video from August 11, 1993. Larry King Live, described by The Intercept and Tara Reid, as allegedly features her mother calling and alluding to Reid's sexual assault claim against Joe Biden. Guy Benson, even without this piece, there's already more evidence against Biden than Kavanaugh. Reid told three people, Ford told no one. Her top witness friend has said she doesn't believe her, and we don't even have evidence Ford and Kavanaugh ever met. Greg Price, there is no way you can explain the media blackout of Joe Biden's sexual assault allegation versus how they tried to ruin Kavanaugh's life, other than the fact that there is one is a Democrat and the other one is a Republican. And understand, this is CNN archived footage. They knew. We're back. A couple more phone calls on this very important topic. Our guests are former United States Senator Howard Baker, Richard Allen, former National Security Advisor, and Lois Romano of the Washington Post. San Luis Obispo, California. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering what um, uh, a, a staffer uh, would do, do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there. Uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. Well, now, but these are the people who do come to the Lois Romanos, right? The mm-hmm. staff worker who says, I want to let you know about what's going this on, either going with my boss or the guy down the hall. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people have a sense of obligation. They feel that this public official should be accountable if it's something They're wrong. whistleblowers to the press. Exactly. Needless to say, CNN has not done an article about the CNN video of Tara Reid's mother talking to a CNN employee from 1993. Am I shocked? No. I just report it because this is our media. They will do anything, ignore anything, and push any false story they can, all the while saying Republicans are pushing fake news. That's their shtick. We don't have a free press. To a soundbite, let's do something fun. I was going to say this for lighter fare. If this is a lady, I don't know who she is, thanks celebrity. It is a regular person mocking celebrity videos during this time. And we'll go into news, social, media nuggets. Hi, I'm Greta Lee Jackson, and I'm not a celebrity. But these people are. And during this time of crisis... 
that provided the strength that we've all needed to get through. So it's time for us normal people to say thank you. I see a number of deaths every day and the constant threat of being infected and taking that home to my family is terrifying. But the one thing that gives me strength to get to my job every day is watching Ellen broadcast from her mansion. This, this is like being in jail, is what it is. I've been waiting on hold for some length for, for days now. Um, I've lost my job, I've got no money, I've lost everything. Um, but this video of Amanda Keller dancing around in her massive kitchen is it's really getting me through. I have been working for 48 hours straight and my face hurts from wearing a mask for so long. I was going to go lick a patient to end it all, but Manu from MasterChef reminded me why I'm here. I just had to break up a fight in aisle three, and every day people call me a f***ing But having Sam Armitage reassure me from her sprawling rural property really makes it all worthwhile. All in this together. My landlord refused to, uh, you know, give me a decrease in rent, so uh, I'm out on the street. But, uh, you know, this, this bloke on the, on the beach, man, he makes me feel better. I don't know who he is, but, you know, if I, if I, if I knew him, my wife would be on My mum don't. But, look, it's Al from Home and Away. We really are all in this together. Thanks, celebrities. Thank you, celebrities. Thanks, celebrities. Thanks, celebrities. Get back to work, you f***ing Thanks, celebrities. From the bottom of our pathetic little nobody, unfamous, worthless dog shit broke ass hearts. You are the true heroes. Were you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Alrighty then, we got a quick uh, college crazy section. A bit of fraud encouraging courage by Berkeley. University tells illegal immigrants to fill out census forms. The University of California Berkeley undocumented student program held an online presentation on the U.S. Census during which illegal immigrant students were encouraged to participate in the census. According to a report by Daily Californian, the presentation was led by Grizel Martinez, a sophomore at UC Berkeley, and a census community organizer. Tuesday, April 14th, 6 to 7, online streaming. Yeah, even had gift cards and everything. They told them, just fill that shit out, yo. Yeah. Then we got St. Olaf in Minnesota, plans to hold three virtual graduation ceremonies. Who do you think? Yeah, minority students. While others will wait until next year to celebrate. Self-identified domestic students of color, international students, and LGTBEIEIO students... You get a ceremony, you motherfucking white cis people. Go fuck yourself. Hey, hey, hey. Bow, bow, bow. Little pump and cut. Hey, gang shit, gang shit, gang shit. 
Well, it's closed now because it's been officially designated a hate space. So now I bake in my studio apartment. I mix the batter in the tub. Jackie, what if we change the name of the team? Instead of the Millstones, we find a name America will love, like the racist jokes. Good for you. And shame on you both. That man has insulted and degraded Latinos. Okay, honey, we're going to need a little less Cesar Chavez and a little more Ted Cruz. No, 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 no. Not we. I'm on your side. I'm you. How can you celebrate that man? He mocks the disabled. Okay, thanks for the wide bathrooms, but that's enough out of you. You're terrible people. And we terrible people have been shamed for too long. But Grace is taking a stand, and I'm with her. No. No, she's not with me. I am not with her. I'm with the other her. I mean, I, I, I even wore a pantsuit to vote. I cried when he won. Me too. My dealer moved to D.C. Actions speak louder than words, and your actions say that you're on his side. Okay, I, I get it from these two, but I am not taking it from, from a white guy. I'm transgender. Did not know that. <laughs> but anyway, you're still white, so stop coasting. Okay, can you please just do the right thing, which so feels like the wrong thing, and make the cake that we both hate? No. Why are we fighting over who's best man? Isn't marriage just some weird thing straight guys came up with as a way to own a woman? And sure, it'd be great to own a woman. You know, to open jars. Or to hold your purse while you and your boyfriend go on the Ferris wheel. But we are gay men. We make our own rules. I say, let's reinvent marriage. Yeah, rip it apart. Take off the sleeves, freeze the bottom, and crop the top. So here's my new rule. I'm going to have two best men. Because, yeah, we got gay marriage. But let's make marriage gay! Yeah, the show's about Lincoln's affair with young Joshua Speed. Turns out Teddy Roosevelt wasn't the only president with a thing for mayors. <laughs> against the backdrop of the Civil War. Brother against brother. Brother 
on top of brother. Oh, writes itself. You know you hear that, but it's not true. Right now, the whole second act, just a drawing of a horse. Seriously, that's all I got. Anyway, in the 11 o'clock number, Gabraham receives a letter from his lover. Why, it's from Joshua. What a fine hand he has. And oh, how that hand could relieve the tensions of my southern uprising. Is that too much, not enough? Oh, ah, just right. Okay. Let's see what my bosom companion has to say. Dear Mr. Lincoln, of you, sir, I've been thinking, and I'm setting quill to parchment so you'll know that my head is in a fog, thinking of your Lincoln law, and how you put the man in emancipation. I'm just going to say it. I had a terrific morning at church. I learned a lot. Did you know that back in the day, gay best friends were called apostles? And Grace, you'll be interested to know, Mary Magdalene is a derivative of the Latin word Hagdalen. You're going to hate Leviticus. Can we talk? I feel like there's something that you've been afraid to tell me. There is. Hillary won Pennsylvania. There are 50,000 votes at the bottom of the Allegheny River. This place is pretty miserable. Unless... I'm sorry, is this your house? No, I'm locked up, like you. Ah, what are you in for? I tried to climb your precious wall. Oh, well maybe you should do what other immigrants do to try to get in legally, like... I don't know, be white or... Look wide or marry the president. Besides, is Mexico so bad? I stuck across the southern border fleeing the brutal gangs of my home. I have traveled 2,000 miles and spent my life savings paying off the cops and hiding from the cartels. For me, Mexico has been hell. Well... The beaches are nice, but sounds like you've been mostly inland. I had this in our uh, liberal shit today, but, you know, this was the big gay push thing. You know, you started with Ellen DeGeneres, and then you went into Will and Grace, and it was the Hollywood's normalization of gay people. Not I have a problem with it. Gay people are normal. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying this was the Hollywood push back in the day. So, they're done. As the article goes, goodbye and good riddance, Will and Grace, NBC's obnoxious LBGBTQEIO sitcom, is gone after 22 years while pushing homosexuality mainstream. The show has demonstrated a deep antipathy towards Republicans, conservatives, Christians, pretty much everything. In that, Will and Grace blasphemes apostles as gay best friends. NBC Will and Grace marriage is a weird thing invented by straight men to own women. Oh, really? NBC Will and Grace immigrants should be white or marry the president to become legal citizens. Uh, promotes revisionist history of Gabraham Lincoln. 
They won't let it go. Will and Grace declares Hillary won Pennsylvania. Won't bake mega cake. Conservatives are terrible people with horrible beliefs. Uh, resumes jabs against Trump supporters saying America loves racist jokes. Yeah. So that was your goodbye, Will and Grace. Go fuck yourself in the ass. Okay, Netflix doc reveals a queer romance between a league of their own. Not covering it. This is... Just, it's a movie, but now we're gayifying a league of their own. Colorado Gov. Jared Polis, gay and Jewish, shaken by Nazi comparison. I just want that to stay there. All right? Denver Post. Governor Polis responds to accusations of the stay-in-home order are akin to Nazism. As a Jewish American lost family in the Holocaust, I'm offended by any comparison to Nazism. We act to save lives the exact opposite of the slaughter of 6 million people. I just think that's perfect progressivism. You call every every Republican president or not presidential nominee in my lifetime was a Nazi. Everybody who went out last week and protested was a fascist Nazi. They can melt down their swastikas to pay people. Remember that? When it's flipped on you, oh, you're all offended. Really? Hmm. An honest Trump slogan from The Advocate. I dithered why they die. Yeah, they're still going with that. Has America view on HIV changed since Philadelphia? Yeah, we really don't have a choice. If you don't change your view on homosexuality and transgenderism and having little kids get their dicks chopped off at the age of five... You lose your job, you get deplatformed. I mean, do we have a choice? Franklin Graham defends Samaritan Purse from LGBTQ intolerance. Because they're going after that now. It's a great organization. But the worst part about it, it's a Christian organization. So everything is racist and now, with no proof, we retooled. Asian Americans are being lynched. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. He doesn't have the luxury of working from home. Just like 84% of Latinos, the most of any group. Roughly half of Latino households have experienced job losses or cuts in the pandemic and have $500 or less in savings. Organizer Leone Jose Biquieri of Working Family Solidarity says Latinos are more likely to be in low-wage and now high-risk essential jobs, like in the food industry. Many of them are balancing. On the one hand, I don't want the crisis of getting sick. On the other hand, I don't want the crisis of being homeless because I can't pay rent and I can't buy food. Just look at this food pantry line in Chicago's Mexican neighborhood of Pilsen. The undocumented immigrants here don't qualify for unemployment or the federal stimulus, like Rosa, who has two kids. Can you sleep? ¿Puedes dormir? No. No, no puedo dormir. You're not able to sleep. You have insomnia because you don't know how you're going to get through this. What do you say to the argument that folks who are here illegally shouldn't have access to these public benefits? This is a wartime situation. You're not going to make anyone safer by having any portion of the population sick because you're going to be sick. Adriana Diaz, CBS News.
One Asian advocacy group says it has received more than 1,500 reports of COVID-related hate incidents since mid-January. People are saying they've been harassed online, spit on, yelled at, even physically attacked. But as more people speak up to fight back against the hate, there is hope we can stop it from spreading. From mid to late March, President Trump repeatedly referred to the coronavirus as the Chinese virus. The Chinese virus, the fight against the Chinese virus, it comes from China. It's not racist at all, no. This photo of his speech with the word Chinese replacing corona went viral on social media. I have never seen the Asian American community as scared. They're in fear for their life. Gene Wu is a state representative in Texas. Why not call it the Chinese virus? Because it could create harm and has created harm. Now, many are calling for people to rise above the hate, spotlighting the growing discrimination, multiple op-eds, including mine. While there's more work ahead, some things have changed. After repeatedly calling it the Chinese virus, President Trump appears to have stopped and tweeted in part, It is very important that we totally protect our Asian American community in the United States and all around the world. They are amazing people, and the spreading of the virus is not their fault. This is just like the gay transgender genocide. We don't need proof. We learn from every town that you just make shit up for numbers and the media will carry it for you. CBS feels pain for Latinos on virus, but skips scary poll on Latinos for Biden. Joe Biden's support is soft among Latino voters, with only 49% saying they'll vote for him. Typically, a Democratic presidential candidate needs to earn Latino support at least at 60. Hillary won 66, Obama won 71. That's their poll. They didn't push it. Because Reid was out talking about body bag protests in front of Trump Tower. Deadspin attacks white wing lockdown protests, praises Kaepernick. In a string of tweets, Trump called liberate, blah, blah, blah. Madonna calls the activities of white wing protesters illegally, unfavorably compares their action to those of Kaepernick who engaged in peaceful, legal, lovable protest. Kill all the pigs. Yeah. Ferguson was so loving. It was like a big old hug. In HuffPost, Oxford leftist hopes COVID vaccine doesn't come from a white male. See? Did I not say in the A block, if you cure cancer and you're conservative, they wouldn't do it. It's sometimes useful to be reminded that in terms of sheer resentful malignancy, American lefties have nothing on their UK counterparts. Writing in HuffPo on April 23rd, Emily Cousins offered a breathtaking example. Cousin teaches at Oxford, and word is a university lab has made good headway developing a Wuhan virus vaccine. It's one of the several research facilities racing to get the weapon against the disease. Cousins is rooting against Oxford. Why? Blind ideology, mostly, but also a big dollop of sneering resentment. Her bio says she researches vulnerability and gender and teaches women's studies, so envy of serious people probably has nothing to do with it at all. You see, if a Briton had developed an vaccine, it would be Britons who are prioritized for protection. 
That's bad because if there's enough vaccine to go around, the UK would be the world's savior. Well, quickly forget the devastating delay of the UK government to take action as Boris Johnson proudly safeguarded British institutions like individual liberty and the pub over lives. So Britain doesn't deserve a vaccine or the credit for developing one because the nation is irredeemably British. The Brits and the Yanks could stand to be taken down a peg or two in Cousins' estimation. The UK and US are in fact not exceptions at the global stage that we are not only vulnerable but can also afford to learn lessons from countries regarding whether we have a special relationship with them such as South Korea. That being white, male, and Oxford educated may not be the only criteria for effective leadership. There we have it. A pandemic is ravaging the globe, but a vaccine is only worth having if it comes from somebody other than a white guy. Charles Cook, beyond parody. This wartime rhetoric is useful in instilling a sense that this is a moment when individuals need to make sacrifice and put the country first. But this time, the enemy is not a nation. It is a microbe. So why do our collective solidarities end at the border? So instead of Orange Man bad, it's Boris Johnson's bad. David Burge. With faculty members like that, I'm not sure how Oxford could possibly claim to be a paradigm of British excellence. Before you give Oxford researchers too much credit for inventing a coronavirus, remember, this is the same place that hired me. The doctor horrific in the byline is chef's kiss gender studies prof equates herself with a scientist at world-class university that would rather have more people die. I give Cousins credit for honesty. It takes a level of courage to publicly express the opinion that gender studies are more important than science. Remember, this, this is the party of science, except biology. And as we see, vaccines. Now that, that, no. That's not good. Boxer says he won't lose till a white boy gets media pass on racism. Uh, Haney is fighting Vasily Lachenko. I can tell you this. I will never lose to a white boy in my life. I don't care what nobody got to say. Listen, can't no white boy beat me. I don't care. On any day of the week, I fight a white boy like 10 times. I'm going to beat him. Beat him. Uh, also reported by CNN writer, boxer, promoter Michelle Rosado tweeted, Imagine a white or Hispanic fighter saying that Haney said but about black fighters. The double standards are real and disgusting. There's no room for any of it. It's uncalled for. Here's the reality, folks. I told my wife a story about this the other day. <clears throat> in 1990, I was in Korea. I was young. And I was a squad leader of mostly African Americans. My squad was predominantly African American. And we played a turkey boil bowl in flak jackets. Um, we put flak jackets on and we do tackle football. No helmets, but you know, you're still tackling. And this guy came out, you know, I was still in good shape at that time, and, and it was a flat pass, and I was playing linebacker, and I separated him from the ball. I got up, walked away, didn't say anything because I'm not a shit talker. I hear this rushing, I turn and get punched in the face. So I level him. And I go back to my huddle, and they break it up. And this older black guy, he was in his 40s. He was an E5, just like me, but he wasn't a squad leader because he had too many R15s. He said, never turn your back on a black guy. A black guy will never be upstaged by a white person. It's how we're made. And I took that advice to freaking heart because it's true. Any time I ever got in a fight, it was usually me arguing with a black person and then throwing fists. Because I was a white guy, and they hate white guys. So, I'm not saying every black person, but the majority. Oregon County, uh, hey, Matt in Oregon, Multnomah County, creates rare specific grounding space to escape 
whiteness during pandemic. This is not, I didn't make this up. And a daily report dedicated to news updates and guidance for county emer- employees fighting the coronavirus in Oregon County and Portland area. So it was creating a safe grounding space for minority staff to escape predominant whiteness. The April 5th situation report from Multnomah County Office Emergency Operations Center announced that Emergency Operations Center Equity Officer is hosting a grounding space for black, indigenous, and people of color by biopic. BIPOC, B-I-P-O-C employees, to share, heal, connect, and get grounded in a space that is not dominated by whiteness. To read a portion of the Emergency Operations Center, click the PDF I didn't. Heather McDonald, Stanford-trained attorney and fellow at Manhattan Institute that we play on the show all the time, writes about policing, homeless advocacy, criminal justice reform, and race relations, told Just the News that Multnomah County actions are particularly disturbing during time of emergency. Identity politics long ago jumped from university and the world at large. Above all, it's highly receptive government agencies and social service groups. It is, of course, outrageous that any alleged public health or service organization would spend any energy on reinforcing racial victimology and racial discrimination during the time of alleged overburdened public health system. Yeah. Uh, but race hatred has been so baked into many government agencies by now. This is par for the course. Ron Christie, an African-American senior staffer in Bush administration, W. Bush, who was instrumental in getting federal backing for the National Museum of African-American History and Culture at Smithsonian Institute, told Just the News that he found Multnomah County Initiative to be unconscionable. If what has been reported in Portland is true, that people are being identified and classified based on racial and ethnic characteristic, it continues a disturbing trend that we've seen for the past several years where public and private institutions are seemingly self-segregating in times when we just had the first African-American president in eight years. For eight, four, eight years, excuse me. That just doesn't surprise me. Remember, they think the black chief of police is an Uncle Tom. Yeah. <clears throat> As the plot against America ends, the plot against America begins. The show is over. But there's still articles that Trump has turned us into fascist America. And last but not least, I put this in the race section because I think it fits quite well. As we've shown on the show, mosques were allowed to have prayers in NYC. The most death, more people have COVID there than there are living in my town. But he didn't shut them down. He shut down synagogues and churches. Well, NYC to serve 500,000 free holiday meals to Muslims during Ramadan. There was nothing for Passover. There was no free food for Christians. But we're going to do it for Muslims. In the typical liberal way, we feel sorry for those people because... America sucks. That's why they blow shit up. Come on down! You're the next contestant on Liberal Shit!
from a shockingly smog-free New Delhi in India to unusually clear waters in the canals of Venice, the world is suddenly learning what can happen if humans stop polluting the environment. Assume all passenger cars are taken off the roads. What would happen to our climate and our air quality? I mean, this is typically something we can only test in our numerical models, but then we don't have observations. Well, now we do. Armed with this new data, scientists hope when we do return to our pre-pandemic lifestyles, we'll do so with lessons learned during the crisis. It has shown us that there are ways that we can make a significant change in the human footprint on our atmosphere and our nature. For CBS This Morning, Jamie Yukis, Los Angeles. So let me just quickly ask you, because it is also political now, I, I, in the introduction I, I mentioned that it's a hyper-partisan issue um, and that the first EPA creator was a Republican president and during the last you know, decades the world you all did manage to cure the ozone layer, cure the hole in the ozone layer um, by a very simple, sustained uh, you know, appeal to get rid of um, CFCs. If you could do it then, what is the problem now? Well, it is a great conundrum and a bit of a mystery. Uh, you know, uh, the first head of the Environmental Protection Agency was a Washingtonian, Bill Ruckel's house, who worked for Richard uh, Nixon in, in that regard. So uh, we have had good Republican leadership in, in decades gone by, and, and unfortunately it, is, it has disappeared. It's a great void. And we're looking for the day again when this becomes a bipartisan effort. But while we are waiting, and we cannot wait for the evolutionary process to evolve uh, the Republican Party to produce some leaders, we have to act. And frankly, that means by electing people who will act in the presidential race here in the United States this next year, I think we will have the greatest contrast of someone who has uh, ignored science who has been deceiving or trying to deceive Americans about the science of climate change and has been an abysmal failure uh, trying to protect the health of Americans. But we have another candidate who has uh, introduced the first bill on climate change in the United States Senate. It was either 1986 or 1988. And most importantly, was very successful in helping rebuild our economy after the last uh, collapse in the Recovery Act, and Joe Biden led the effort that built $90 billion worth of infrastructure and created 3.3 million jobs in, in America. And I think we're going to have a, a really great race, and, and I believe the person who is an optimist is going to win that, and that is when American leadership will begin yeah. to be restored. Okay, so you've endorsed Joe Biden clearly and for all the reasons yep. that you've just laid out and more probably. But what I want to ask you yep. is this, because clearly the United States, like the rest of the world, is in a deep economic hole right now because mm -hmm. of coronavirus, the halting of the global economy. And as always, the poorest and the most vulnerable are going to be the biggest losers. At the moment, while all these you know, disaster relief bills, for want of a better word, go through Congress, we also see the White House and the President trying to bail out fossil fuel uh, fossil fuel companies and all the rest of it, and also conduct a, a major undercover, under cover of coronavirus assault on EPA regulations and clean air and water and mercury and all those things are happening right now. 
uh, how is that going to be reversed? And do you think you can get what the UN Secretary General is calling for, proper resources, you know, into the recovery bills for the climate? Tonight, we mark the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. There were supposed to be big celebrations around the world, but instead people are celebrating inside and they're celebrating cleaner air and cleaner water. Here's CBS's John Blackstone with tonight's Eye on Earth. On this Earth Day, the out of doors is largely out of bounds. Parks and beaches are closed. Even picnic tables are off limits. I imagine this is a much different Earth Day 50 than you had expected to be. Michael Brune is executive director of the Sierra Club. We expected to see hundreds of millions of people out in the streets. There were dozens of exhibits. In 1970, on the first Earth Day, demonstrators filled cities around the world. Today, those streets are largely empty, but the air, temporarily at least, is cleaner. There are a whole bunch of people around the world who are seeing blue skies above their cities for the first time. Technology forecaster Paul Sappho says that may help clear the air in the future. All of this enforced working at home will have a huge impact. It is completely culturally acceptable to work at home where even three months ago people would have winced at that. Earth Day is dedicated to all species and while humans are locked down, wildlife's filling the void. In Yosemite, animals aren't hiding from visitors. On Florida's coast, manatees are showing up in unusual numbers. Right in front of our apartment. From goats in a deserted town in Wales to lions lounging on a road in South Africa, nature seems to be saying, we can get along fine without you. We all need nature a lot more than nature needs us. Perhaps more than ever, this Earth Day is a reminder of how much there is out there to cherish. And before and after satellite imagery shows how nitrogen dioxide pollution over North America's big cities is down by as much as 30%. But the blanket of heat-trapping gases around our planet is still thicker than ever. And there seems to be this perception that maybe the virus has helped humanity buy some time when it comes to global warming. What's what's wrong with that assumption? Um, we'd have to keep doing this even more and do it for the next 30 years to really begin to bend the curve on the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. It's kind of like having a really huge bathtub uh, in the sky filled with pollution and we have the faucet pouring, pouring, pouring more in. And all we've done is kind of turn down the faucet a little bit, but it's still filling up. Thanks to the current oil crash, when the lockdown is lifted, we'll see the lowest gas prices in generations. And with Donald Trump's Environmental Protection Agency gutting dozens of regulations, experts say a spike in pollution seems inevitable. Both the EPA and Earth Day were born when the air and water got too foul for everyday Americans to ignore. Fifty years later, science is warning that the storms, floods, and fires of the climate crisis are growing too frequent and too severe to ignore. Saving what's left will take everyday folk everywhere, deciding that their planet deserves more than one minor holiday like a dead president, deciding that to save life as we know it, every day should be Earth Day. Virologists for years tried to warn us that an invisible enemy would come out of the jungles if we just kept cutting all of them down. 
and they were right. So if any good can come of this, Allison, maybe it's it's an understanding that the climatologists who are warning about the invisible enemy up in our sky and in our seas, maybe we should take them seriously too. They won't stop playing climate on our TVs. And they cart around this lump of shit. Michael Moore, coronavirus lockdown is because Mother Nature put us in timeout. And then he's got this huge fucking movie out, Planet of the Humans. no turning back. I don't think the people in charge are near nervous enough. So remember, as Fahrenheit 9-11 got an Academy Award, as Fahrenheit 11-9 didn't do so well, this one's free. But, why am I covering it? The distributor for Michael Moore's new film, Planet of the Humans, has taken the film down over allegations of, wait for it, misinformation. I just received notice the distributor of Michael Moore's Planet of the Humans has taken the film down to misinformation in the film. Thank you to Films for Action responding to our demand for retraction. An apology from Michael Moore Flint. Mark Moreno, Michael Moore new film exposing Green Energy Con has now been banned. Distributor taking the film down. Warmest Josh Fox leading the effort to censor more. Josh Fox, <clears throat> I just had the unfortunate displeasure of watching Planet of the Humans. The Earth Day freebie is irresponsible put up, irresponsibly put out by Michael Moore. The film is an unsubstantiated, unscientific, poorly made yellow, piece of yellow journalism which attacks proven renewable energy and the movie's central thesis is that we are on the brink of extinction and have been sold a damaged bill of goods about all forms of renewable energy for environmental groups motivated by profit. Essentially, the argument is we're all dirty and the stain will never come out no matter how hard we try. There are a few issues at play. One is that much of the issue the film takes with solar and wind are based on anachronistic viewpoints. PD Magazine, a solar trade publication, notes that the difficult to take the film seriously on any topic when it botches the solar portion so thoroughly. Although the film was released in 2020, the solar industry is an example whether through incompetence or venality is from somewhere back in 2009. Thank you for the early co-signers of the letter demanding an apology. So many people have speculated as to why Flint would put up a movie with so many fossil fuel industry talking points and with so many errors, falsehoods and misinformation. I can't guess. We can only ask Michael Moore these questions. He's not responded. Uh, I will add here with a deep regret and sadness that my hero has fallen. I have watched him punch up and authority and hypocrisy with glee for my whole career. He has deeply inspired me and taught me, but now he is a Goliath in the room punching down. Yeah. So, he goes out to do something and he does it wrong for the greenheads and he gets smacked. I just think that's fucking funny. Column, Earth Day, dunking on humans. We're the problem. There's like a hundred of them. New York Times marks Earth Day. I need help arguing with my denialist uncle. Yeah, this one 
Uh, the year you finally read about climate change, a rather fantastical apocalyptic fiction about climate change. Of the 21 books recommended in the two-page spread in Wednesday's art section, half were works of fiction. A heading over a non-fiction book recommended, I need help arguing my denialist uncle, suggested the non-fiction left-wing screed Merchants of Doubt by Noam Oreski and Eric Conway sold via the politicized blurb to historians of science take a step back to understand the way that science itself can be co-opted. They begin to looking at how the tobacco industry got scientists to refute studies that link smoking and lung cancer and move on to the pernicious role that right-wing think tanks have played in undermining the scientific data about acid rain and ozone layer. The latest and perhaps most dangerous of these campaigns has been waged against climate change. It is inevitable we have to change much about how we live for our own survival and the survival of others who don't know. It's a bit like what we're doing to stop the coronavirus pandemic, except forever. The funny thing is, I love the line, science can be co-opted. Because it is. Anybody who comes out and says, well, that data's wrong, is ran out of the scientific community. Because there's only one thing to say. We're all going to die in, what, eight years, three months? I don't fucking know. AOC can't contain her excitement and joy over possible economic collapse. Somehow figured out tweeting joyously about millions of Americans losing even more jobs and livelihood was not a good thing. Removed her original tweet, only tried tweet, only tried to rewrite it in a way that still sucked. Then she tried to put together a thread on how economic ruin really is a good thing. This is her. Now is the time to create millions of good jobs building out the infrastructure and clean energy necessary to save our planet and future generation. For our economy, our planet, and our future, we need a Green New Deal. Oh, Jesus Christ, here we are. We need to do this, bring workers like you to the table and transition to renewable infrastructure and guaranteeing pensions for fossil fuel workers. If you see what is happening to coal workers, the mines get money and the workers got hung dry. Like you fucking care. We can't allow for this to happen. AOC is truly the gift that keeps on giving. When the coal industry started a long-term decline instead of moving swiftly to support workers, D.C. got into lobbyist-friendly, vicious cycle of bailouts that helped companies more than it helped workers. This time we need to invest in creating opportunities and financial security. This time they need to really exploit the crisis, somebody said. Vice TV. Only in America does liberation mean going back to work. AOC sits down with and writes to talk about why a return to normalcy isn't enough in a post-coronavirus world. Seat at the table. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. AOC says America should boycott work. As usual, she's wrong. More AOC. Trump has no plan to get people back to work safely. GOP governors like Kemp are sending vulnerable workers to die with false claims of safety. Trump also pushed an unproven dangerous treatment to a cure and firing experts who want to vet the claim. <clears throat> and by the way, setting up a vulnerable worker to gain 70 hours a week to barely survive and still not have health insurance is unsafe too. Rock replying, and your plan is to get people to refuse to work? RBE, do you think it's not blatantly obvious that you want pretty much all workers not to work and just love off government benefits? I mean, are you that stupid that you don't realize how obvious you're being? Another AOC, she wants people in Queens poor so they depend on her false hope. Quick take by Bloomberg. During House debate on another coronavirus rescue bill, AOC said, It's a joke when Republicans say they have urgency around the bill. The only folks they have urgency around are folks like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and Shake Shack. If you had urgency, you would legislate like rent was due on May 1st and make sure that we include rent and mortgage relief to our constituents. Yeah, she wants socialism. 
On behalf of my constituents in the Bronx and Queens, New York's 14th Congressional District, the most impacted district in America, calling people, losing their families every day. It is a joke when Republicans say that they have urgency around this bill. The only folks that they have urgency around are, are folks like Ruth Chris Steakhouse and Shake Shack. Those are the people getting assistance in this bill. You are not trying to fix this bill for mom and pops. And we have to fight to fund hospitals, fighting to fund testing. That is what we're fighting for in this bill. It is unconscionable. If you had urgency, you would legislate like rent was due on May 1st and make sure that we include rent and mortgage relief for our constituents. Thank you very much. Members are reminded to direct their comments to the chair. There's a lot that we could be doing right now, but ultimately the... I think when we talk about this idea of reopening society, you know, only in America does the president, when the president tweets about liberation, does he mean go back to work? When we, you know, have this discussion about going, going back or reopening, I think a lot of people should just say, no, we're not going back to that. We're not going back to working 70 hour weeks just so that we could put food on the table and not even feel any sort of semblance of security in our lives. There's a lot that we could be doing right now, but ultimately the, I think when we talk about this idea of reopening society, you know, only in America does the president, when the president tweets about liberation, does he mean go back to work? When we, you know, have this discussion about going, going back or reopening, I think a lot of people should just say, no, we're not going back to that. We're not going back to working 70 hour weeks just so that we could put food on the table and not even feel any sort of semblance of security in our lives. I no longer hate her. I hate the people that vote for her. I'm becoming a liberal on that. I hate the people that vote. Have you voted for a bartender? Get the fuck out of here. Hollywood sets April 30th fundraiser to save abortion. How's it not saved? Like two months ago, we did the numbers. They're a big business. And this week, while Kim Jong-un is believed to be dead and his sister's taken over. So last night there was actually a Twitter um, hashtag for Yaz Queen, the lady that was in charge of propaganda in Korea, North Korea and killed maybe 100,000 fucking people. She was the one actually killing people, but because she has a vagina, women were all excited for a North Korea ran by a crazy-ass bitch. Articles like this. Are female leaders more successful at managing the coronavirus? And they go to like Germany, New Zealand, and Denmark, Taiwan, Vietnam, Czech, Greece, Australia. And they try to make a correlation that they've done a better job than men. Just like the lockdown protests, there's no facts. They're just vajayjays. 
Yeah. Then Michelle Obama gets her own PBS kids show after massive bailout. Well, isn't that interesting? We shove in 75 fucking million for PBS when they don't need the money. And then we hand a show to Michelle Obama. Yeah. Simultaneously, CNN gets involved because this is just one big orgy of fucking liberalism. What is COVID-19, Big Bird ass? Dr. Sanjay Gupta and Erica R. Hill explain how it affects kids and adults around the world. I don't want to be anywhere near you. Oscar the Grouch is discovering the perks of social distancing. The social distancing thing is kind of Grouch dream. Elmo wonders why people are wearing masks outside even though it's not Halloween. Dr. Sanjay Gupta shows him how to easily make a mask and how also to sing happy birthday when washing his hands to prevent spreading germs. Do not drink soap or detergent or bleach or anything that your parents use to clean your house because Trump said it and no he didn't, but it's CNN. Dr. Lena Wen, the ex- Director of Planned Parenthood is brought on as a health specialist, not an abortionist, warns kid at Sesame Street Town Hall. These are very dangerous things to drink. You should use soap, though, on your hands, former Baltimore County Health Commissioner says. Yeah, that's how they did it. They also sometimes had emergency medicine proctor just completely ignore her most recent role as the head of the biggest abortion clinic in the world. Here's the PBS propaganda. Nineteen. Oh, that, 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 that's my question. That's it. What, what, what is? Uh, well, you said, uh, COVID-19. Well, what is COVID-19? Is it just a bunch of letters and numbers? That's such a great question, Big Bird. Those letters and numbers reference something that's making people sick. You know, you may have also heard it called the coronavirus. Oh, uh, yeah, it, uh, uh, is the coronavirus why we have to stay at home? Yep, that's right, Big Bird. COVID-19 has become a pandemic, and that means it's spread to large numbers of people all over the world. But there are scientists and doctors and nurses around the world who are working really hard to help people and protect us as well. And there are also things that all of us, adults, children, monsters, and big birds, things we can all do to protect ourselves, to protect others, and to help each other. And that's why we're having this town hall, to answer questions and also, Big Bird, to reassure everyone. Because we're all in this together. That's right, Big Bird, we are. Oscar the Grouch wants to tell everyone about the perks of social distancing. Oscar the Grouch here to tell you to stay home. I don't want to see your smiling face. I don't want to smell your pretty perfume. I don't want to be anywhere near you. Hey, this social distancing thing is kind of a grouch's dream. (laughs) Anyway, for everyone's sake, just stay home, will you? Oh, yeah. And while you're at it, have a rotten day. Outside, but it's not Halloween. So why are people wearing costumes? 
Well, those aren't costumes, Elmo. You know, just like doctors wear masks in hospitals when they take care of people, you're going to see people now wearing masks outside as well. And the reason they're wearing masks like this is to protect people in public from their germs and things like that. They don't want to spread your germs, and these masks can help with that. Ah, so the masks help us. Yes, the masks are, are a way to prevent you from spreading germs, even as you just breathe. Should wear a mask when he's outside around other people. Well, Elmo, how old are you? Elmo's three and a half. Well, then yes, Elmo, you should wear a mask. Children under two years old do not need to wear a mask, but children older than two years old should wear a mask when they're out in public and they're around people. Uh, you might wear a mask that looks something like this. This is one that my daughter actually made for me. What do you think? She did a great job. Okay, Elmo wants to make a mask too. You can, Elmo. Oh, but Elmo can't make a mask, Doctor Sanjay. Elmo doesn't know how to sew. Elmo's only three and a half, remember? Well, <laughs> Elmo, you don't need to sew to make a mask. You can easily make one. You can even decorate your own mask with items that you have in your house. In fact,、uh, you want to see one that I made at home? This is one that I just made at home. Nice <laughs> you want me to show you the secret? You want to see how I made this mask? Yes. Take a bandana like this and you fold it. Make sure you fold it properly. So fold the bandana. Here's a pro tip: don't use small hair bands like this. Find big hair bands. Put one on either end over here. Do this, and then this is going to be the key move right here. Put it like this, but then fold one end and really tuck it inside the other. Get in there like this. This is not going to be a fashion statement, but there you go. And there's my bandana. Does the job. Keeps me from spreading the virus. Elmo's going to decorate his mask with smiley faces. Oh, I can't wait to see it, Elmo. You know what? You can also make a mask for your lovey or your teddy bear. Really? Oh, okay. Elmo's going to make one for his lovey, baby David. I'd love to, Elmo. Now that I have a homemade mask, can I go to the store with mom? Wow, Edward's almost as cute as you, Elmo. It's it's important to remember、uh, to stay home as much as possible, Edward. That's the first thing. But if you do have to go out in public, you can wear a mask, and you should also practice something known as social distancing. Social what? Social distancing.、Uh, that means, you know, if you're wearing a mask, you should also stay at least six feet away from people as much as possible, which is about the length of this—a pool noodle. <laughs> a pool noodle? Oh, is Dr. Sanjay gonna go swimming today? Oh, I, I wish, Elmo. I wish. No, unfortunately, not. But the length of the pool noodle is sort of the safe distance you have to stay away from people. So this is a good way to remember how to stay healthy. Just remembered, Elmo can't go to the swimming pool right now, and you know Elmo can't give his friends a hug when he sees them either, can he? No,、well, not right now, Elmo. I know that's hard, but there's other ways that we can still be with our friends through video chatting, like you and I are doing right now, or maybe you could give someone a virtual or an air high five like that. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, how about a virtual hug? Hug, hug. <laughs> 
Everybody wants a hug. Now, another way we can stay healthy is by washing your hands, Elmo. You know that. Do you know the song Happy Birthday? Oh, of course Elmo knows Happy Birthday. Well, Elmo, I have a video of me washing my hands and singing Happy Birthday to you, Elmo. It's not Elmo's birthday today. <laughs> well, we let's let's pretend it's your birthday. Ah, okay, yay! It's Elmo's pretend birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so, Elmo, let's take a look at this video of how to properly wash our hands. In order to show you how to best wash your hands, I put a little glitter on my hands. That's dirt. Sometimes that would be challenging to get off. That's why you got to make sure you do this right. So, a little bit of soap, and I start to really rub it in here. And what I do is I sing happy birthday twice to make sure I've done it long enough, all right? So happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Elmo. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Elmo. Happy birthday to you. And then get it all off. Elmo, you can do this as well. You're all done. Make sure you don't contaminate yourself, and all the glitter is gone. Wow! <laughs> Elmo loved that video. Dr. Sanja, you have a nice voice. Why, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Oh, you know what? Elmo has another song he sings while washing his hands. Do you want to hear it? Of course, yes. Wash, washy, wash, washy, wash, wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sing that one next time, Elmo. You know, the important thing to remember, Elmo, is that we may need to be physically distant right now, but we can all still be socially connected. Yeah, true. Oh, thank you for answering Elmo's questions, Dr. Sanjay. Elmo feels a lot better. Oh, you're welcome, Elmo. Remember, you can always ask a parent or an adult when you have questions as well. And it <laughs> Our next question comes to us from twins, six-year-old twins, Bryce and Brody from Sands Point, New York. How to soap kill the coronavirus. Why won't soap kill the coronavirus in your body if you swallow it? This is great. We know how important it is to wash your hands well with soap and water, but obviously, Dr. Wen, we shouldn't drink it or swallow it. That's exactly right, Erica, and I hope that the twins and everyone who's watching will help us to spread that message. Do not drink soap or detergent or bleach or anything that you and your parents use to clean your house. Don't do that. I'm an ER doctor, and in the ER, I've seen kids come in who get very sick from drinking these things. These are very dangerous things to drink, so please do not drink them or eat soap or anything like that. You should use soap, though, on your hands and wash your hands very well with soap and water. And that's because the coronavirus, as uh, Dr. Gupta was saying, is this very small virus. You would never see a conservative person brought on PBS. They just don't do it. But they're for all Americans. Remember that. That's why we give them money. It's for all Americans. I would not let my child watch Sesame Street anymore. It's just a fucking goddamn propaganda rag for liberal ideas. FX working on a cartoon about Satan and his Antichrist daughter. Little demon. Twitter CEO, we would label Trump tweets to show a disagreement. 
So they're editing that. We talked about it earlier. But then comes in Twitter to purge COVID-19 tweets that may incite harmful activity. So basically, another article about them purging any opposition. In here, they were stopping people from talking about sunlight. It's whatever the liberals are saying. Disney announces new feminist Star Wars series. So instead of going from the last, uh, whatever the fuck, it was good, the last one. We're now going to do a woman-only Star Wars. Here's a soundbite on that and some more bullshit about Miss America, a new show that's now also dogging America. You know who the government should be looking into? Phyllis Schlafly. Schlafly. I was inspired by Woodward and Bernstein to do some digging into the funding of her stop ERA operations. And you'll never guess what I discovered. She's a member of the John Birch Society. Do you think someone like her will care if she gets called a bircher? You'll have to do better than that. Well, no, but if she's a bircher, there's a good chance that she's got some white sheets in her closet. But we don't have proof. And they don't exactly share their membership roles. Well, we should use our resources to find evidence. Take her down. That is exactly what the men with money want us to do. Use women as a cover, orchestrate a cat fight to distract everyone. So they can sit in dark rooms and smoke cigars and count their money. The smartest thing for us to do is not engage with her at all. We'll only create more headlines. I agree, Gloria's right. We should stick to the program, as they say in Weight Watchers. Like you would know what they say at Weight Watchers. Can we all make a pact right here and now, not to give her the time of day? Betty. Fine, I agree. I only show up when my help is needed. Phyllis Shuffley did not get this money from her housekeeping money. I have found evidence that she and her Stop ERA organization received funding from the John Birch Society. And I believe she has ties to the Ku Klux Klan. Just say that like I, I think white women need to kind of step up their game to be quite honest like sorry but i'm calling i'm calling you bitches out like um you really do because like you know there's like we can i couldn't agree more with everything that, that these brilliant women are saying but like i'm also seeing the silent killer which is a lot of white women at the top who are kind of reinforcing a lot of old ideas they're there i think a lot of it asks you know to give them the benefit of the doubt and i'll just speak from my own personal experience it's just like i wasn't sure how to be an ally i wasn't sure what type i got so caught up in like what kind of terminology i was supposed to be using and being politically correct and 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 so uh, as i started to rise in television i started to just get more blunt and just start saying like i would like a black writer because if i said diverse you know you you get you get well white is diverse which is something somebody said to me and i was like wow um uh i was like it's not cool but um 
but but to really you know I, I reached out to my you know um, uh, the, the women that I respect who are who are, are not white um, writers and directors and I said what should I say what what language how what language should I use you know and and I think it's worth it if you're in a position of um, hiring power or or uh, green lighting power to like reach out to people that are not like you and say what can I do to be an ally and and how can I how can I support um, writers of color and um, um, LGBTQ and disabled writers, like, what can I do? And um, what kind of uh, vocabulary should I be using? Because I think it's just easier. I just see it in the room. Like, I just see them kind of go, like, it's just easier. Like, the guy at the top's louder. It's it's harder to say, like, I think this should be a black writer. I think this should be an Asian-American actor. I think it should be this type of... Like, I would like to cast, and, you know, a, really, I find it a lot as well with... As, as a queer woman, like, with uh, gay characters, whether they be gay men or uh, gay women, where I'm saying, like, that's not a gay person. Like, <laughs> sorry. Like, this is not a gay person. Like, we're not representing that in in this storyline. Like, like... And to some good stories. <clears throat> Which your media didn't show you. Over 40 workers from Brascom, America, and Delaware County, Pennsylvania, voted to literally live in their factory for 28 days and work around the clock in 12-hour shifts to make the raw materials needed for N95 masks. After nearly a month of 12-hour shifts making the raw material for N95 masks, more than 40 employees are going home. For 28 straight days, the team worked 12-hour shifts in two groups, making polypropylene, the raw material used to produce a non-woven fiber used to make any N95 masks, hospital gowns, and sanitary wipes. TV and the occasional drive-by visit for family members were their only contact with the outside world. That is amazing. Then we got Jake Hansen from the Oregon Ducks getting drafted by my Packers, as I said. And I'm not playing a soundbite, but Rob Gronkowski came out of fucking retirement to play with Brady. God help us. To a lighter fare. Jake Hansen is beloved by Mario Cristobal and his teammates. And his game improved each fall with his eyes, feet, and ability to strike interior defensive linemen. He often faced teams who moved defensive fronts pre-snap. But Jake Hansen didn't flinch. And he was able to target his blocks with precision in Oregon's pistol run game scheme. Likely a late round pick, Jake Hansen has a competitive temperament that will allow him to fit into an offensive line room easily once his professional career begins. To our lighter fare, um, oh, before I, f- I finish that, uh, uh, Justin Herbert went in the first round. Troy Dye got picked up by Minnesota. Um, and Jake Hansen and Lemieux, Lemieux, the rest did not, which is kind of sad. But they'll probably get up, picked up in free agency. Babylon B, majority of Americans would rather risk COVID to death than endure any more Skype lectures from celebrities. A recent survey revealed that a majority of Americans are ready to get back to work even when asked if they realize that getting everybody back to work right now could increase deaths from COVID-19. Most responded that they were willing to die of that what took to end the nightly parade of self-important late show hosts scolding them all for needing money from the comfort of their fancy homes getting paid millions of dollars to shame Skype America. It like 
it's like when you accidentally FaceTime someone you really did not want to talk to. That's what TV's like now, said one participant in the survey, who went begged from the COVID-19 virus to release him from another webcam, Trevor Noah monologue. Late show hosts are pushing for a longer quarantine period, citing their preference to talk down to America on a laptop camera while wearing pajamas, not having to be all around all those gross people who show up in live audience and receive the same sweet paycheck every week. And then that was going to play the soundbite, but... We played it earlier. Uh, here is the uh, trailer for The Last Kingdom. And then I will go off about how awesome it is. What is it? Ships. I saw them first from the beach. What ships? Thanes. We were kings there once, boy. Our ancestors took this land. And it has been strengthened with our blood and bone. Now you are the new heir of Bebapa, and you will die for it if needed. Yes, father. What kind of hell is this? If my brother falls in battle, the boy must fall. Lift up your sword and spare these men of England who fight in your name. <laughs> Do not forsake us. Do not forsake England. You can forget all about your English life. We like you, boy. You're a son to me now. One day, it is my hope that all kingdoms will become one, united under one god. One king? Yes. The idea of a single kingdom called England has to begin here. I will not stand by and have everything that's mine taken from me. I'm going back to the beginning. I am Uhtred of Bebenbar and I shall take what is mine. Bebenbar is mine! Stated, this is like the Vikings with a fight every time. And yeah, it's a little repetitive through the three seasons that I've watched where, you know, he's fucked and he fucks everybody up. And But it's basically one dude, he was British, got captured by the Vikings. Vikings loved him. The Vikings got killed by other Vikings. And he became a Dane Saxon, saving a king, but his wife's a bitch. And yeah. Great show. I'm telling you, if you got Netflix, watch that thing. I don't know why we stopped. We were watching it, and then somehow we went on to other shit, and we just stopped watching season two. We watched episode one, and that was it. Um, but we binged everything. Like I said, I have one left today, and then uh, season four just dropped today. And we'll binge the shit out of that. Great, great show. To our This Is America, I have a special one from Matt in Oregon, so I'm going to cover the bullshit up front, and then we're just going to address that as a totally different topic. Peak snobbery, NPR, we're very good at educating over-educated. Yeah. 
And I have to ask you, Governor DeWine, when President Trump calls on people in Michigan, Minnesota, and Virginia, those are states of Democratic governors, to, quote, liberate themselves from lockdown. Is that a call for insurrection? We are very good. This is, as I watch NPR, I promise to do through the eyes of you, the audience, the core audience, and also those you're clipping your toes and around the edges of NPR. We are very good at educating the uneducated. Chris Turpin told me he's a senior leader at NPR and helps support regional reporting hubs. How do we broaden the audience? How do we help stations connect with communities that don't fit your average NPR profiles? Although I'm the advocate for audience at NPR's right now, I'll be mindful of NPR's mission to broaden it. Through encouragement and accountability, I hope to hold the door open for now. Diverse communities connect with public radio. The longtime NPR audience is overeducated, and they need to broaden the audience to the undereducated and undereducated communities that don't fit your average NPR profile. They are the quintessential liberal. We are so much smarter than you simpletons. We're here to educate you. Now, I love some NPR shows. I watch uh, a Tennessee Crossroads, my favorite show, and it talks about Tennessee. Find out great diners and places to go. It's really cool. But ever since the Civil War series, I gotta admit, I stopped watching NPR. I could no le- no longer or PBS, and I could no longer listen to NPR morning radio. I just couldn't do it. It's just a fucking it's like free basing intersectionality i just can't do it then there were multiple articles like this this is the time that we're starting to flatten the curve everywhere but but liberal states new york times u.s leading a world in different way under trump it's corona deaths then ap news story Coronavirus shakes the conceit of American exceptionalism. And branding of the Associated Press used to be just the facts. But today, they uncork snotty commentaries without even slapping the word news analysts on it. Get a load of this headline today. Coronavirus shakes the conceit of American exceptionalism. Reporter Calvin Woodward uncorked nothing but editorializing about cascading failures and incompetence. The molecular menace posed by the new coronavirus has shaken the conceit of American exceptionalism like nothing big enough to see with your eyes. The aide was dubbed Operation Enduring Friendship and annoyed Trump, the American first president. This is one iteration of American exceptionalism now. A national government responding to a national crisis by getting out of the way. The Calvary isn't coming. While they were doing it, they weren't reporting this. Nancy Pelosi wipes her nose with her finger and then touches the podium that all lawmakers are sharing today. No mask, no gloves. These are the people who spend trillions of our dollars. But they don't play by the rules. And then this study in New York City finds 21.2% tested positive for COVID antibodies. 13.9% statewide. State says about 11,000 people tested positive for COVID in Miami-Dade County. Antibody testing puts that number at 165,000. It was here way before they say thus the fucking death rate is really low. But they're not going to report that. Nor are they going to report the subject of our next podcast.
Virginia plan to reopen economy could take two fucking years. That is an all-blue House Senate and Governor. Tell me that's not politics. But the most disgusting thing is how our Leos and our veterans are treated in the arm in our media. First of all, all Leos are racist, even if they're black. They're racist. They're out there lynching black people every day. And our veterans, as we've touched over and over, even though the number's down to about 18 a day, that's a genocide, not the transgender killed by their spouse genocide, which was, what, 21 last year? That's like one day of veterans' death. Matt in Oregon sent me this. I literally got teary-eyed watching it. It's a vet saving another vet who wants to suicide by cop. Yet this never makes our airwaves. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I got the strap. Put the weapon down, sir. I'm a vet. Drop the weapon. Drop the weapon. Drop the weapon. It is not hard to come across videos on the internet of law enforcement officers coming in contact, engaging people with firearms that results in the use of force in which whether they are objectively or legally (laughs) and reasonably justified in that use of force, it is too late because they are already tried in the court of social media and, and big box media opinion simply based on nothing but perception. That is why I'm so grateful that this video that I saw, this body cam footage you're about to see, came from a news outlet praising the actions of the officers. And listen, I have said this till I am as blue in the face as I can be, is that we cannot live our lives as though we see an exception to the rule when it comes to use of force and make that the rule. And we can't live our lives as though just because we haven't seen a video or enough videos online of something that it can't exist. It can't be the reality. The day in and day out body cam footage of officers from across the country was just constantly uploaded to the internet. People would ultimately get bored. And what people would find is when there was action, the police officers are doing the right thing. Every time? No, no, not every time. But man, most of the time. And one thing that is happening today more and more often that police are responding to are are people in mental health crisis to the point where they're, they're sitting outside of a hospital with a firearm in their hands and they're going to hurt themselves or someone else because they just don't know what else to do. And I'm so glad that I saw this story. The, the video you're about to see is body cam footage with some uh, a little bit of voiceover from 9news.com explaining the situation in greater detail. But Officer Richard Jones of the Pueblo Police Department responds to this call and watch what unfolds. This is amazing. Now approximately 30 years old wearing a black hoodie and a military style hat. Hey, put your hands up. 
Put the weapon down. Don't move. Pueblo police officer Richard Jones is responding to a call of a man with a gun sitting outside a downtown hospital. Jones has his own gun out and ready. Put the weapon down! Put the weapon down! The Pueblo Police Department blurred the man's face because he was in crisis and not charged with a crime. Put the weapon down, sir! Jones, who is trained in mental health crisis intervention, immediately tries to find some way to connect and sees the man's T-shirt indicating he's a veteran. I'm a vet! Drop the weapon! Drop the weapon! Drop the weapon! Dude, don't do it to another... A white male, approximately 30 years old, wearing a black hoodie and a military-style hat. Hey, put your hands up. Put the weapon down. Don't move. Pueblo police officer Richard Jones is responding to a call of a man with a gun sitting outside a downtown hospital. Jones has his own gun out and ready. Put the weapon down! Put the weapon down! The Pueblo Police Department blurred the man's face because he was in crisis and not charged with a crime. Put the weapon down, sir! Jones, who is trained in mental health crisis intervention, immediately tries to find some way to connect and sees the man's T-shirt indicating he's a veteran. I'm a vet! Drop the weapon! Drop the weapon! Drop the weapon! Dude, don't do it to another vet! Don't do it to me! The armed veteran is holding a semi-automatic weapon, telling Jones to shoot him because he can't get help. Then let me help you, but not this way. Let me help you. Dude, I'm a retired Army guy. Let me help you. Don't make me do this. As Jones holds his attention, other officers arrive at the scene, weapons drawn. Please drop it, brother. We've lost too many already. Despite the officer's plea, the man keeps asking Jones to kill him. I can't do that, man. I can't do that. I was in your shoes a few months ago, brother. In November, I was in your shoes. And I made the call. It took everything in my body. Man, I'm six foot five, 300 pound paratrooper. Took everything in my world to call a VA and to finally get the help. And I got the help. But I want to help you, man, because I'm tired of losing brothers and sisters. But I can't help you if you don't help, help me. Okay? The Lord sent me here to you today. Okay? He didn't send one of these other guys. He sent me as a vet to you to help you because I'm there. I've been there. After nearly 11 minutes... Just, just drop it. Just drop it. Okay, put your hands on your head for me. Richard Jones knew he had succeeded in saving the life of a veteran. The relief was overwhelming. After gathering himself best as he could, he hugged his fellow vet. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get you some help. We're going to start right now. I'm going to get you over here to Parkview, and we're going to get it taken care of, okay? Love you, bro. Good job, man. I will tell you that I'm thankful I was there that day. And I'm thankful I've had the experiences that I've had that brought me there that day. Like many of you guys, I too was extremely moved by how Officer Jones carried himself and handled this situation with extreme professionalism and skill. But it wasn't just because he was working through his training, which is awesome to hear that he was trained as as a, a mental health crisis, like interventionist. That's awesome to hear that that has been provided for him or he has sought that training out. But it wasn't just because he was following a script. It was because it's genuine and you know it. You see this and you you just know he cared. There was, a, there was this humanity dripping from this situation caught on, on this body cam that just, it moves you and it should, it should move you. And he handled himself so well. So Officer Jones, thank you so much for how you conducted yourself. I would love to hear from you. If somebody knows him that that has watched this video, tell him to reach out to me or, or help me find a way to reach out to him the right way. Because I want to say thank you on behalf of myself, humanizing the badge and our call for backup campaign. I want to say thank you uh, for that and hear more of your story. 
And the reality of what this shows us too is that not only is mental health a struggle in our communities out there, but it's also something that we're dealing with internally as first responders too. We see some of the darker side of things on the regular day in and day out. We're seeing the worst days that people are having over and over becomes our normal day which is not normal. And so that's why the call for backup campaign came out of Humanizing the Badge to uh, address that issue head on, to build trust with departments and officers and, and provide education opportunities and encouraging peer-to-peer -peer support so that we can help together change the culture. And Officer Jones sets the pace for what that can look like, not just in our communities, but being so bold as to talk about his own struggles can be an encouragement to those inside the first responder community. So thank you very much to you, sir. Uh, my, my hat's off to you, beers on me. And also if you are struggling, please reach out through callforbackup.org or our Facebook page, or if you're looking for your department or organization that's a first responder, we've been in military bases to uh, dispatch centers. Doesn't matter, we're there to help provide ongoing training and support in mental health, stress resilience, suicide prevention. So thank you to everyone for watching this. Share it up, and we're in this fight together. If that cop wasn't a vet, if he hadn't already been there like we all have, that man would be dead. And if cops were what BLM says and NBC Nightly News and CNN says, he would be dead. But the cop put himself in danger talked that guy off the ledge and made him drop his gun. And I ask you, why is that not ever in the media? Why do they cover some guy with a gun who reaches for the gun and then gets shot by a cop? Why do they cover Michael Brown for fucking months and then have to come out and say, uh, yeah, he charged the officer. He grabbed the officer's gun. Uh, the gun fired in the officer's vehicle. He was a thug who beat a motherfucker up for some Cirillo's. We just don't cover facts. We push narratives. And I know it's repetitive. I know every podcast is this way. But every fucking three or four days I do a podcast, it gets worse and worse. They're not pushing these antibody tests because it destroys the narrative that our death rate's three point something. And Trump killed everybody. I mean, in this podcast alone, we're still pushing hydrochloroquine. We're saying he said to snort Lysol. And we said he fucking hired a dog breeder. And all the while, this last soundbite I play never made the airwaves. When we're at a time where people could use a good story. Or use a good cause. Every night I watch fucking The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And they have all these... Donate two. I've never seen a vet one. And I've never seen a Leo one. And right now, New York City, they are getting fucked up by the virus. It's worse than last time we spoke. They're in New York City. They're not reporting it. Because everybody on the fucking airwaves is like, fuck them motherfuckers. They put black people in jail for committing crimes. But I can't say that because it's institutional fucking racism sounds better. We need to get all those people out because they could get Corona. 
which is still the most fucking stupid thing in the world. Lock down the fucking prison. Put everybody in lockdown for 30 fucking days. They get food brought to them, but they don't get fucking common area time. Oh, Tony, that's a, that's a human right. You and I don't get common area time. Most of us are locked up in our fucking houses unemployed. Nobody cares whether I get some time in the pen to shoot hoop. But no, we can't do that because that's an agenda. It's all about agenda. It's an election year. We got to get a shitty candidate elected again. And we did really poorly last time with Senorita fucking Clinton. So this time we're going fucking all in. Just remember, the candidate they selected was an old white guy who talks like mushmouth off fucking Fat Albert and makes no sense and could get less than 5,000 people to watch a rally speech. Trump, with his racist fucking base, fills arenas. He would be filling arenas right now. Why? Well, maybe because at least we know the devil we have. So this wraps up another episode of Flavor Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family friends. Send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-O-A-S-T at gmail.com. Fop podcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Tune Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Podcast. Remember to check out the Facebook page at Fop Podcast and the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. So we did this a day early. So let's shoot for, um, come on calendar, pop up. We're going to go with one, oh, I can't do one May, uh, 30 April, year of our Lord 2020, because one May is Senorita Bunker Mate's birthday. Yeah, already got the cake, got flowers coming, and <clears throat> bought her flowers. Tried to get her a necklace, but I don't think it's ever going to show up on time of her favorite dog. But um, yeah, so the first I can't. So we'll go with the 30th, Thursday, the 30th of April, year of our Lord 2020. I hope you all are safe out there. I want to thank Matt again for the input. He sent us all sorts of stuff today. And that This Is America, I think, is pretty poignant for these times. Because cops everywhere are getting sick. And nobody seems to fucking care. Nor do they want to help them. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Binge some good TV. Spend some time with your family. And once again, regardless if you're going out next week or not, my state opens up tomorrow. Still be safe. Don't go to crowds. I'm still wearing gloves, and I'll probably wear a face mask. Regardless if I go into a large crowd. I just will. People going to look at me funny. I don't give a fuck. I think it's time to go back to work. I'm not being a hypocrite, but at the same time, I'm not going to put myself at risk, and that's what this should have all been. Personal freedom. If you're concerned about it, you mask up and wear gloves. If you're not, you go to a fucking rave. That's on you. That's how we're supposed to be as a country. But instead, we want a fucking nanny state telling us when to wipe our ass. So, tune in Thursday, my friends. As always, thanks for listening. And take care. Yeah, but a lonely campaign's like
are reaching out to me. I know your freezer stays stocked up. Can I get some fresh deer meat? Well, I hope your family's well. Hope them hands are clean. Any chance that you might have an extra AR-15. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine. Waving at the neighbors, social distancing. Stop, stop, stop. I meant that in like a metaphorical sense, not a literal sense, because if it came together, that would be the antithesis of what quarantine means. But good thing we have FaceTime because we can hang out and make dumb songs like this. And shout out to all the healthcare workers out there. And, and Tim, I really like that chorus. Let's hit that one more time. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine, waving at the neighbors, social distancing. Quarantine, quarantine, wearing like 